Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Many, 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 listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Next out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. And we are live here on the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast i'm rich Krejci on my side as always the king of banter mr joe lanza joe what's going on how are you happy college basketball day uh i've heard yeah yeah that's um what uh what hot games are on today <laughs> who's who's left who uh the war of attrition uh this season will be it appears but yeah who, who what teams actually played today there was like 110 games scheduled uh, yeah <laughs> didn't uh, quite happen right no, like a hundred. There's a, there's still like a hundred games happening today, um, or something like ninety games or a hundred games. Look, it's gonna be like the football. A lot of games are gonna get postponed. A lot of games are gonna get canceled. You just have to kind of shrug your shoulders, and you know, it, they're gonna be wacky schedules for everybody, and everyone's gonna play a different amount of games. And it's just you know, when March rolls around, it, it is what it is. You know, what can you do? It's 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 odd circumstances. Just gotta kind of roll with it, I guess. Yeah, it's been fun watching you know the college football rankings, and there's like random teams that like never in a million years you think would be in you know the top twenty five or the top twenty, and like some of these weird teams. I, what was there was a team the other day I saw, and they were like eight and one and like dominant, and I'm like, what? What did, what did that uh, team get good? Like. You- you're talking about undefeated Coastal Carolina. Yes, that's exactly the team. I was reading that, so I yeah. was I was I was looking at the scores and looking at the rankings, and I'm like, number thirteen, Coastal Carolina. Like, what the hell happened? But they're are they actually good or are they just like COVID good because everybody else is, can't play? I mean, there's a good no, they're good. I mean, they're winning they're, the games. They're winning the games. They're playing. So they're the they're the usual. Um, you know, non Power Five team that makes a run every year that. No matter, you know, they're still going to get snubbed for the playoff. Um, BYU's undefeated, uh, playing an independent schedule. And, you know, they're going to get snubbed for the playoff too. And and there's a lot of people saying that BYU and Coastal Carolina and, and some of these other teams that are in the mix, Cincinnati's another one that's undefeated. Um, if they have open dates, there's a lot of people pushing for them to kind of maybe play each other. Because if, 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 if they don't, if they, if they do that and, then at least one of them might have a chance to sneak in. Right, right, right. right. Instead of all of them getting snubbed because obviously, you know, they're going to take a one-loss SEC team over an undefeated Coastal Carolina or or BYU team. Um, Washington wanted to play BYU this week because they both had 
an open date, and BYU turned them down. So, like, <laughs> BYU is being very protective of that undefeated record. Um, but, yeah, like, the same shit's going to happen in basketball. I mean, you just you just can't expect, you know, to, to play a full schedule. It's just not going to happen. I mean, you know, but, they're you know, there's a lot of money on the table, and they're going to try to get these games in. Yeah, that's going to definitely be the way with American sports because, I mean, the NBA is coming back, you know, in, in December, and, and they're not doing a bubble anymore. They're going to be in their home arenas and stuff, and the same thing's going to happen there on, on – uh, potentially a much bigger scale as well if, you know, you're talking star players, big teams, bigger TV contracts, all that sort of stuff. This is kind of the new normal right now. We, we you know, everybody did the bubble, you know, the, the baseball tried their little bubble for the, you know, the, the, the playoffs and the World Series or whatever. NBA did their bubble. Uh, but everyone's, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, I should say a little, a little sick of, uh, of COVID on that level. So uh, we're going to have the sports leagues just kind of charging ahead and, and you know, hoping and praying that, Things are, are are not too too terrible, and then just kind of seeing what the hell happens. But yeah, this is the new the new normal for uh, a little while for sports. For now, for now, it just is what it is. You know, the Ravens and the Steelers got canceled for Thanksgiving. You know, it's just I, I don't. You know, it's like less and less people are making a big deal out of it when these games get canceled. We're all just used to it now. It's just games are going to get canceled. Games are going to get moved around. You just you know, it just is what it is. So. I don't know. I mean, I'm just happy that there was wall-to-wall college basketball on today. It was awesome. I mean, we didn't get the tournament last year. That was very deflating. Remember, that was like the first big thing that got taken yeah. off. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. People being like, what? How? Why? No. <laughs> like, you know, people thinking, well, they'll just delay it or they'll just move it back a week or they'll just move it back a month. And that's – I think what was actually interesting is that, to me, was one of the first moments where I think everybody quite – you know, wrap their head around what was going on because, you know, I, and, and obviously, you know, living with a nurse, I was like aware of it from, you know, pretty much the first point it was in America or even before that, you know, when they're getting warnings, hey, by the way, this is coming, get prepared, do all this sort of stuff. But like the general population, they, you know, especially in America here, it took a little while for it to really sink in that like, hey, this is a thing. And by the way, this thing's not going to be over in like two weeks because, you know, you go back to, you know, the, 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 the innocent days of, you know, March and late February where people are like, ah, yeah, you know, we'll stay in our houses for two, three weeks. Then we'll be back and eh, they'll do March Madness and, you know, May and it'll be fine. And they straight up were just like, nope, it's not happening. Bye. We'll see you guys next year. And it was like, oh, OK, that's kind of weird. And the NBA says, hey, uh, we're going away. We're not coming back for a while. Bye. And, and like the dominoes started falling one by one. But, yeah, I do remember March Madness being the first eye opening thing where people were like, wait, what? It's just like they're just not going to do it at all and it was like no they're they're not <laughs> they're, they're they're not coming back and, and we're not delaying it and it's it's, it's gone and that yeah the little by little you know one after another things start just plummeting and falling and falling and falling and then yeah now we're in whatever this is right now so well, the problem with with march madness was everybody graduated you can't bring people back <laughs> to play some dopey tournament in the middle of you know july or whatever whereas the nhl and the nba those are professionals you right. can send them home for a couple months Bring them back. Uh, they play for pay. That's a well. Some of the college players <laughs> James Wiseman uh, would disagree with, and many but, uh, other people too. He just got caught, you know. Yeah, but I mean, you know that that was the difference there. But yeah, that was the first big ticket event that got wiped out was March Madness. Because remember, it you know the the uh, Rudy Gobert thing happened right at the beginning of the conference tournaments, and it was that weird spooky day. Oh, that one weird day where like. They had canceled March Madness, but like St. John's is still playing like the Big East tournament or something. And yes, like, what's what going on? Was, like, one by one, each of the, the the conferences canceled their conference tournaments, but the first Big East game of the day was already on the floor. 
they like they were in the middle of the first half. Everything else is getting canceled while that game is happening. And uh, it was St. John's against um, – I guess it's not important. It was definitely St. John's though because they beat Georgetown the night before. And then they went into the half and they never came back out. <laughs> they, they played one half. They went in for the half and they saw that the, the rest of the country had canceled all of their tournaments. And that was the last shred of college basketball that we've had until today where there's wall-to-wall games. Uh, most of these games have no fans, but it's weird because basketball is a little different. Like the benches are very vocal. So there's like – there is some atmosphere. Yeah. And in, and in a lot of these sites, there's random people in the stands – I don't know who they are. I guess like security guards, uh, maybe a couple, maybe just staff from the university. Yeah, it could be or, university employees, or you know, the ADs family, or you know, the the you know different people that work for you know. Yeah, there, there's a ton of just ancillary people or auxiliary people, I should say, uh, hanging around you know college basketball teams or college basketball or, you know college sports in general. So I guess it's probably those people, but who knows? And a lot of these are the tournaments because, you know, Thanksgiving week is always, you know, the, mm-hmm, the crazy mm-hmm. tournament. So, like, the next teams up are sitting in the stands. So, it's 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 this weird deal where yeah, it's, it's like, like all Japan, like all Japan did. Where, you know, <laughs> the guys on the undercard are, you know, you're done with your match, you go in the stands, you make noise. So, there's kind of an atmosphere and you kind of get a pop now and then when there's a big basket because, you know, the bench goes crazy. Now, the benches, I think, aren't supposed to be doing that. Like they're doing the NBA thing where all the seats are like six feet apart. <laughs> Which is, by the way, like it's you know, the dumbest thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so ridiculous because then it's like, all right, guys, you know, when you sit down, make sure you're six or seven feet apart or whatever. Which, yeah, on, on, you know, in a normal circumstance, is very good idea is is do that. You know, be careful. Do but then like, all right, now you're on the court, so now just huddle in with you know nine other people. <laughs> just like, well, what? Yeah. Like the fuck? Like, you're sitting six feet apart, but then you check. Then you check into the game and you post somebody up. And <laughs> right, then you're within your four fucking centimeters away from the next guy uh, and, and, and eight other guys <laughs> throughout the rest of the game. So it's like, what the? Yeah, you're breathing on each other's faces right. in the post. And then like, there's a timeout and they all get into the huddle. <laughs> like, then what? <laughs> then what's the point of having these? It's all for show. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like it's it's so they can say. Look at everything we're doing for you're not doing shit. You're playing look, if you're yeah, gonna you're playing play indoor game, basketball, you're not doing anything. So <laughs> like, And look, I'm not even ripping them because I'm sitting here watching it. But what I'm saying is just remove all of the pretense. I mean, there's no need to have everyone on the bench. Right now I'm watching this West Virginia game, Bob Huggins. Okay. Everybody loves but little Bob Huggins. I better be careful and with Bob. Then, he looks like he's on his deathbed on <laughs> any given day, so you better be careful Bob, with Bob. I, listen. Yeah, Bob Thuggins, he's a nut. He's he's picking up games that other teams are dropping. Did you see he's like he's like, "Oh, I'll, I'll take that spot." He's he's playing Gonzaga in a couple weeks. He's like, "I cuz somebody dropped out." He's he's insane cuz like you're saying, he's not exactly the pillar of health and he's got no mask on on the sideline. <laughs> oh, perfect, the, perfect, great. Bob Huggins is the only coach I've seen all day that isn't wearing a mask, which makes so much sense. Yes, if you it's know perfect, about Bob perfect Bob Huggins. <laughs> I would I would expect nothing less from So the West Bob, Virginia so. bench yeah, the West Virginia bench, you got Bob Huggins with no mask. You've got the players sitting six feet apart. And and the last <laughs> – every time they put the camera on Huggins, you could see the three players behind them with the masks around their neck, not over their mouth. So it's just like, what are we even doing here? Just take the thing off then. Like you're not even pretending, you know? So, um, look, Rich, we punted this shit so long ago. It's like how can you even get worked up about it? How can you even get worked up about it? All I know – 
is there's college basketball on today <laughs> from 11 a.m. until 1 in the morning. And I'm going to watch every second of it. So, um, you know, I'm not going to be here, be a, hip, I'm gonna be a hypocrite and, and complain because uh, Bob Huggins isn't wearing his mask. That's on him. You're going to be reading about Bob Huggins catching COVID within the next. Oh, uh, no doubt. A hundred percent. Yeah. He, 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 among many other college basketball coaches, I could definitely would be on my high list to, uh, uh, uh definitely catch, uh, COVID during this time. And yeah, it is kind of, it is always interesting too. Cause like I'll be on the couch watching some random sport or whatever, you know, I'm watching football or I'm watching, you know, uh, basketball or whatever. I had college basketball on earlier. And you know, the nurse comes home after like a 13 hour shift working on the COVID unit. It's just like. I'm like, yeah, college basketball's on. She's like, oh god damn it. She just goes to bed and you know, like it's yeah. so weird. Like the different universes that people live in uh th- during this time where she's, you know, fighting to keep people alive, and I just got my feet up watching some fucking, you know, UT San Antonio versus whoever like college basketball. She, just... she, she she's wearing a hazmat suit at <laughs> yeah, work. She's wearing an N ninety five and a fucking hazmat suit for thirteen hours. I'm sitting on the couch eating French fries, going, Oh wow, college basketball's back. Cool. And and Bob Huggins has his <laughs> right. Russian mobster uh, tracksuit on with no mask, and he, you know he's getting on airplanes, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, uh, bouncing around the country, taking his West Virginia team because he thinks his team is real good this year. So he's getting out there and he wants to play all these tournaments and play everybody, and uh, you know, so West Virginia, that's the team to keep an eye on for uh, the next team to basically wipe out the next three weeks of their schedule when one of these guys picks up COVID, but. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to enjoy it while it's on. Yeah, sports, sports. Hey, uh, hey I'll take it. <laughs> no doubt. So um, we got plenty to get to uh, this week. I did want to briefly start the show, though. We, we, we have, you know, obviously we're going to talk about Noah. People can see, you know, if you're a live viewer, you can see the thumbnail for this is, uh, you know, Go Shiozaki versus Nakajima, which we are going to talk about. We'll talk about that entire show. Uh, we are going to talk WWE. Taker's final farewell. I know you're just chomping at the bit to talk about. Uh, champing at the bit, whatever the fuck it is, I don't care, uh, about Taker's final farewell. Uh, we also want to talk about Bob Ryder as well, as, as he passed away uh, pretty tragically uh, today and his impact on the wrestling world. But uh, I'm not going to do this normal segment that we do every Thanksgiving where I'd say, hey, Joe, you're cooking a turkey, da, 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 like all that. One thing I am going to bring up, though, and I, I have this on my notes, because I realize that in all the years that we've discussed your turkey cooking uh, techniques, which are great, and, and I have definitely adapted to them, and, and Michelle's still still too scared to do it, but when we have like a a burner turkey, like you get a turkey after Thanksgiving and you cook it like in January or February or whatever, your method of of cooking the turkey upside down, I have now fully yeah. adopted, and it absolutely is the perfect way to cook a turkey. Yeah, it works. Yeah, because you don't get the dried out breast. Yeah, yeah, and that's like you know she's scared to do it because you know if she's got like her parents over, it's you know it's weird because it's not showy. You know the show is you put the fucking. You know, everybody can close yeah. their eyes. You know what it looks like. The fucking birds, you know, the, out there, breasts out. You know, that's that's the kind of the, the, the typical look. But, yeah, it's not the best way to eat it. It's not the best way to cook it. Your your upside-down no. turkey method no. is, is fantastic. And, yeah, anytime, like, because I'll, I'll go to, like, the grocery store now, or, like, you know, two weeks from now, and turkeys are fucking, like, $3. You know what I mean? You can get, like, a 20-pound yeah. yeah. turkey for $3 because they just want to get rid of it. I always scoop those up. I wish I, you know, again, wish I had the, the garage freezer like you. And then I could get few a few more of them, but I, yeah, I'll get like one or two. And anytime we cook those, if it's just for her and I, upside down every single time. Get a little creative with the rubs. Get a little creative with with, with you know uh, what you stuff it with, all that sort of stuff. But it, you know, on Thanksgiving, people are scared to you know to buck the trends and and do it in a different, unique way. So. Does she put the little booties on the legs, the little white booties? She on does. The no, no booties. Yeah, I. No booties. Those are strange. Yeah. Why did those ever exist? 
I think again, it's just for show. It's just for show. I think it's yeah. you're you're putting little booties on the legs of your of your turkey. It doesn't make any sense to me. No, but when you do the upside down turkey, it you, you can't even flip it back over to sh- because it's like it's it's wet and it's it's sloppy looking because all of the juices are now in the breast. You don't need the juices in the thigh meat because the dark meat's already going to be, you know, it, it, it isn't going to, you know, that's already sort of a juicier meat. So you're right. You can't show it off once you do that. But you can't be concerned with that. You got to be concerned with the flavor and what it's going to taste like. Because you know, it's very easy to dry out a turkey. Very easy. You're, first of all, you're cooking the thing for like six fucking hours. So, you know, a lot can go wrong. I thought we weren't going to do this segment. I know. I, well, I mean, you can, you can go ahead if you want. I was not going to do it. I was actually going to ask a different question about Thanksgiving cooking. Well, what's but, your different question? Well, my Go different ahead. question is we've always talked about how you've cooked the turkey, but I've never asked a Joe Lanza what his side dishes are. Do you, do you stay traditional? Do you go fun? Do you go interesting? Do you just cook fucking stuffing and potatoes? or, or what, what's, what, is a, what does a Joe Lanza Thanksgiving side dish lineup look like? No, I stay traditional. Uh, really? Yeah, a lot of Italians will do a lasagna as well on Thanksgiving. I don't do that. I don't, I don't make lasagna. I, I make the world's worst lasagna, so I don't do that. Um, it's just a, an item that I cannot master. Lasagna is a tough one. When, when people Of the lasagnas I've had in my life, half are good and half are fucking trash and terrible. Yeah. And, like, there's no in between. You know what I mean? And like the, you know the second you, you, you stick the fork in, you just know it's going to be a garbage-ass lasagna immediately. Yeah. But then sometimes you do to... it and it's perfect. But yeah, it, it seems that even people that are like, cause I have buddies who are, who are really good at cooking a lot of different Italian dishes and they just won't even touch lasagna. They just don't bother. It, it, it's, there's an art form to it, I guess. I don't know. Some things I'm just like, if I'm not good at, at making something, I just hand wave it. I, I, why keep making a terrible lasagna? What sense does that make? Nobody wants to eat that shit. So, um, I just hand wave the lasagna. I don't make lasagna in this house, but no, otherwise it's just the standard sides. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, like what, what kind of wacky sides are you talking about here? I'm just curious. I was just wondering if, so, so what the hell do you do? You just get fucking cans of cranberry sauce and cans of, of fucking sweet potatoes and toss them on a plate. Like, what are we talking about? I, I, I don't do the, I don't like cranberry sauce. I think it's vile. I'm the only person really that likes cranberry sauce, but you know, that's fine. I think you are. I don't think anyone eats that except for you. I make two different. Uh, I make uh, so I'll do the, the the traditional, just fucking open up the can with the fucking lines in it, cranberry sauce. Because you know, uh, there's, there's, how do you eat that? <laughs> it's not great, but you know, it's it just you got, you got to admit that's rough. It's no, it's not good. Thing. It's not great. It, it is it is weird. It's an acquired taste, and I'm not entirely sure yeah. if I like it. It's like my brain tells me I like it, and I really don't know if my brain's like lying to me. I guess the yeah. brain would control both of those aspects. So it's weird because I like know it's not good. I know it stinks, but there's something about it that, that you know, hits a spot. And then I do, a, I do a slow cooker uh, cranberry sauce as well, which is pretty good. Well, if you're cooking one, see, the one that comes out of the can with the lines, it's like, <laughs> it's like sliced gelatin. It's just, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I, like, it's not gross. Like, all right, if I get some on my plate, it's not like, like, if I get some in my mouth, it's not like I'm going to be. You know, spitting it out, and you know, you know, the Iron Sheik, hak fui. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll chew it and swallow it, but it's not something I'm going out of my way to put on the dish, is what I'm saying. Right, you got some space on the plate. You might throw a little bit on there if, if you just want to say, hey, is this still, you know, what I remember it being? And then you take a bite and you go, yeah, it's about, it's about the same thing. But yeah, I, I you, you would not like my, my plate has got a lot of cranberry sauce. I mean, I'm a big fan. I don't know why. If you're a I, fan. I like... You're a fan. You know that that's you know the other thing. My entire life, and I never learned. Okay, 
is coleslaw. I will try the slaw and think I'm going to like it every time, and I never like it. Oh, I think is one of the problems the variance of coleslaw? Well, yeah, because I'm like, all right, well, I always like the idea of coleslaw, but I don't think I've ever had a coleslaw that I liked. Well, some are really, really good, and that is similar to, like, our lasagna thing. It's like, you know, some coleslaws are just fucking incredible, but you don't really remember what made it incredible or what made it good, at least for me, and then you end up, like, eating nine bad coleslaws hunting for the one that you had that was pretty good and it's 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 a rarity like sometimes like you go to a barbecue place or whatever and the coleslaw that they yeah. have is really good but then again like yeah nine times out of ten you're gonna get shit coleslaw that's just absolutely unbearably bad so yeah i don't know how no I, matter no matter where we go where you have to like pick three sides or four sides or whatever i'm always like i'll take that i'll take the macaroni and cheese and you know what give me the coleslaw TLB's always like, you're not going to like the coleslaw. I'm like, <laughs> right. no, I, give me the coleslaw. Me and the and nurse I, have the same same discussion. She goes, no, I know I will like it. And then she literally 99% of the time does not like it. Then I get home. I take a big <laughs> fork full of coleslaw. She gets upset about it. She gets upset. Like... I put it on the plate, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to. She's like, you're not going to like the coleslaw. I take a bite of the coleslaw and I'm like, this fucking sucks. Why did I get the coleslaw? She's like, I told you, you weren't going to like the coleslaw. And I get mad at myself. And I'm like, why every time do I fall for the coleslaw? I never liked the coleslaw. It's it's just it's fucking cabbage, first of all, which is a terrible vegetable. I mean, it, it's just bitter and nasty. And uh, I've never come across a coleslaw where I was like, yeah, I need second helpings of that. It's just it's nasty. But I can guarantee you the next time I go somewhere that offers me coleslaw, I will accept that offer and think that I'm going to like it again. I don't know what it is. I just keep coming back to the coleslaw. It's kind of like some of these bad wrestling promotions. It's like it's like Black Label Pro. Every time there's a Black Label Pro show, I'm like, ah, you know what? I got nothing to do. I'm going to watch this Black Label Pro show. Lineup looks all right. 70 minutes in, I'm like, this is the worst indie in the country. Yeah, Alex Why Shelley, I- Josh Alexander. How could this go wrong? <laughs> you know, there's a lot yeah. of talent on this show. Lee Moriarty, you know, Alex Shelley, Josh Alexander. Yeah, this should be good. This should be great. Yeah, it's the coleslaw of wrestling. You know, and then, and, you know, you're, you're an hour and a half in or you're an hour in, you're fucking 45 minutes in. You're like, why am I doing this? Every time I watch Black Label Pro, it's horrendous, but it keeps bringing me back. So I really have to just put a stop to coleslaw and Black Label Pro. I just got to put my foot down and resist the temptation because neither of those things are ever good. There you go, coleslaw. So yeah, you're, you're. I was I was hoping to get some some ideas from you here, but yeah, you're just a, a plain old. Talk about, like, what are we doing? Boxed mashed potatoes? Like, what are we doing here? Never boxed. What are you talking about? <laughs> so it's just, it's just normal mashed Why, potatoes. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Why would anyone use the boxed mashed I... potato when mashed potato is like the easiest thing on earth? To Absolutely, make? and you... potatoes are the cheapest thing to buy. It, it is yeah. every time I get potatoes, I get you know I I, I I tend to buy more sweet potatoes, and and I end up making a pretty. I make like a bourbon sweet potato thing uh, for Thanksgiving, which is pretty nice. I, I, I do, if I do say so myself, pretty good uh, uh, a treat there. But uh, yeah, like, you know, it's like whatever amount for, uh, uh, you know, price per pound. And I always just end up getting like eight pounds because it's so fucking cheap that I'm like, ah, yeah, I'll yeah. use these. I only end up using like, you know, three quarters of them or half of them at most. But they're it's fucking, they're falling down. You go to the store and they're just falling out of the, you know, the, the, the produce yeah. area. Like six fall on the ground as you're picking your 12 up and throwing them into yeah. the bag. It's, it's so silly. And then, yeah, I see people that like, eat boxed mashed potato. I'm like, what are you doing? Why? Why? I mean, 
this isn't like some complex recipe. I mean, you just boil them and then you then you literally just mash them. Add butter to your liking. Add a little salt, maybe a little garlic if you want to get crazy. This isn't a difficult thing to make. So I, I don't get it either. Why are you buying the processed? It doesn't make any sense to me. So no, there will be no boxed mashed potatoes. Uh, there will be no boxed uh, stovetop stuffing in this house either on Thanksgiving. I'll go with the boxed stovetop stuffing on like a regular, you know, Thursday night when I'm making, you know, some uh, some baked chicken or something, and I'm just trying to make a quick dinner. But not for Thanksgiving. You can't. You, you got to go all out for Thanksgiving. So you're, you you're chopping up the bread. You're chopping up the bread, stuffing it in there that way. You got to go scratch on Thanksgiving with all your items. Nothing should be coming out of a box or a can. I mean, you know, you've got the night before to do it. You've got all day Thursday to do it. I mean, what? Yeah, come on. It, one day a year you can't cook properly, you know? So, uh, so no, nothing out of a box or a can. Well, there you go. All right. So that is, is Joe Lance's. I just, I, it, it struck me as we were, you know, as, as we're approaching this show and obviously not able to record tomorrow uh, because of the holiday that I was like, man, I, I, I've never asked Joe what his, his, his sides are. But, yeah, you, uh, you're not a, not a – so, and, and, and now, listen, I'm not a Quaker. Okay, I'm not. I'm not making like fresh <laughs> stuffing on a on July eighth on a on a on a Wednesday night. Okay, I'm not a fucking you know I, you know I'm not a, a I didn't I didn't, I'm not, I didn't just hop off the uh, the Mayflower. Okay, I'm not churning butter in the backyard and uh, and baking fresh bread. You know on uh, on August sixth on a, on a on a Saturday night. But you know Thanksgiving, you know you got to go all out. There's no question. You can't. There's no reason to be lazy on Thanksgiving. The whole basis of the holiday is cooking and eating. Yeah, right. There's not many other days where you get eight hours to cook something. So it's like, yeah, there's right. no excuse not to bring your not to bring the A game if you can. So right, and, you know, I'm not you know I'm not trying to say like it's not Little House on the Prairie over here. You know, three sixty five. But you know, a day like that, you got to go all out. All right, so uh, I do want to note as well for people listening, this is our first time using a, a different service than we usually use. Usually we're on Google Hangouts uh, when you and I record these. Uh, Google has decided to move everybody over to uh, Google Meet. Uh, so I think everything's fine. Everybody says it sounds okay. Uh, stable so far, but uh, if there are issues, if something goes wrong, if we randomly get disconnected, that is uh, potentially the issue is Google Meet. So just kind of letting you guys know uh, about that if we either sound different or, or or whatnot. But you actually sound better than ever. So I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe Google Hangouts was 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 trash for all this time. <laughs> Little did we know, Google Meet Google, is what we always needed. So Google Meet sounds like a dating site or something. It kind of does. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be their like Zoom uh, competitor. I mean, Google Hangouts was kind of the same thing anyway. Uh, but this allows me to like present my screen to you, Joe. So uh, cool, and we can go on a whiteboard. We can uh, discuss. You know, if, if say you're trying to uh, tell me, hey, I have to go to the bathroom, you can open the whiteboard and scratch P. Yeah, I'm not open the whiteboard and scratch P. No, I'm not, gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. If I have to go to the bathroom, I'm gonna say, Rich, I uh, I gotta take a leak. Rich, tell us about this match, and then I know that. That means just Joe's walk going away. To the bathroom. Yeah. yeah, which you pull on me sometimes, and I know, like, uh, you know, I'll, you always set me up for something where you know I'm just gonna blabber my mouth for four straight minutes. But I kind of pick up that you're not there after a while, and I get the panic. Do you ever get the panic when you pick up on? Yeah, and like you know that person's gonna be gone for maybe a minute tops, but you're wondering, oh yeah. my god, what if it's like ten minutes? What if it's eight minutes? What if it's twenty yeah. minutes? What if like I run out of things to say? And when you run out of things to say, and and, and you're not sure how to like transition away 
from the fact yeah. that you just put an awkward amount of silence in there. Because you're yeah. like, yeah, so what did you think of it, Joe? And then, like, even if it's, like, four seconds of silence, you're like, oh, God. Oh, no. What do I do? <laughs> Why do I give it back? You're like, uh, yeah, so uh, like, you answer your own I, question in weird ways. It's, it's, it's. I just – I pick up the panic once I sense you're not there. And then it's running through my mind. How am I going to fill the time? And in reality, it's probably, like, 90 seconds. But in my mind, it's, like, 90 minutes. Right. And you also and, start talking faster, I think, oddly enough. When, when, you, when that panic happens, at least for me – I start like talking a mile a minute. I'm like, oh, I'm like, no, no, I should stretch it out. I shouldn't do that. But uh, yeah. that nervousness comes in, and you just end up kind of, you know, because in your out. head you're like, oh my god, I don't hear him breathing. Oh my god, he, I don't hear any mm-hmms. There's no one there. This is, it's like I'm going without a net here. I've got, I've got no one to jump in. Meanwhile, behind the paywall, we go by ourselves. We go solo all the time and go like an hour. <laughs> yeah, I know, I do. Like hours upon hours of hours of solo hours audio. upon yeah. hours of solo audio with no problems. But if I know you're gone, I panic if I sense that you're gone, even if and that's only gonna be like two minutes. But meanwhile, I could do a Jovember to remember on one take and go an hour and ten minutes nonstop. It doesn't make any sense. Now where you know? would I be able to listen to this Jovember to remember that you're talking about here? Oh, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. Jovember to remember is back, Rich. It's been a while. That that uh Puro tournament season really fucked me up. I mean, it just totally destroyed my schedule. But uh episode 14 is up on the Voice of Wrestling Patreon, five dollar tier. And uh we take a look, uh the latest edition, ECW Hardcore TV number 13. Uh we're still in the afterglow of the Super Summer Sizzler Spectacular. And the Texas Chain Massacre between Terry Funk and Eddie could that, Gilbert. Could that, t- could that event have more titles to it? <laughs> what was the, the Super Summer Sizzler Spectacular? Rich, you don't know how sick I am of saying <laughs> Super Super Summer Sizzler Spectacular 16 times per show. I am so sick of saying that um, because it's wordy. It's alliteration. I get tongue-tied every time. It's an absolute disaster. But uh, we're still in the aftermath of the Terry Funk, Eddie Gilbert, Texas Chain Massacre. Uh, we discussed the turn of Kevin Christian as he uh, the first uh, heel referee. It was not Bill Alfonso. It was Kevin Christian a couple years earlier, first ECW heel referee, as he turned heel in that match and became Freddie Gilbert. We talk about that. And uh, the Koloffs, an amazing squash match. Rich, you got to go out of your way to watch this. Ivan and Vladimir Koloff versus uh, Hervé Renesto and Glenn Osborne squash match off of this TV show. Okay, so it's it's episode it's episode. What did you say? Fourteen. Thirteen. ECW Hardcore TV. Thirteen. All right, I put it on a, a word pad as of a. This looks yeah. Anytime you do that, like that, that's that's a pretty high recommendation. You tell me I have to watch the squash match. You've never steered me wrong on one of those. So <laughs> it's like a three minute match, and it fucking rules. I want to go back in time and vote Ivan Koloff for the Hall of Fame, even though he already <laughs> got in. You were an Ivan Koloff voter, weren't you? Uh, I forget if I was. Yeah, was I? Let me let me go. Let me go do a quick little research while you while you tell your story. I think I was. Yeah, I I, I, I don't think that's out of nowhere, but let me find out. Well, he got in anyway, so it doesn't matter. But uh, this squash match is something else. I don't want to give it away to you. Like, Yeah, 2015, I, uh, 2015 I voted him in. Yeah. But, um, my God, I couldn't believe how good this was. And believe me, Vladimir holds up his end. Because we all know that, you know, uh, that guy didn't last very long. It kind of stinks. But um, 
my God, what a squash. But yeah, so episode 14 of November is up. Uh, your best of the super. Did you come up with a clever name? I never got a clever name. Nah, I get because I, then I get so the problem is, is is when I did the clever names, I did the super brawl tell all or the super brawl yeah. recall and then the fall brawl recall or tell. And I was like, I, I'm mixing these up, and they're they're it's I'm like racking my brain thinking about these. Like you have no idea how long I just sit on like a giant list of like kitschy names to call these things, and I'm just like, ah, fuck it, VOW retro best of the super juniors. You know what it is. I I, I don't need to come up with a funny snazzy name. So no, it is just uh, a retro series of best of the super juniors uh, finals, and we just uh, just released uh, 1991, so 1998, uh, 1988, and 1991 are both out. Uh, going to be recording uh, the next few ones. 1994 coming up uh, in the next few days here. That's Super Delphin. Uh, versus Jushin Thunder Liger match we talked about uh, in one of our deep dive episodes as well. We're really getting to like the peak of of, of New Japan Junior Division here in the mid '90s, uh, and then obviously things take a uh, a pretty steep decline during the Enochism, uh days. But then we we pick it back up, you know, in the mid 2000s where things really get going, and then into you know the current day where uh, this tournament becomes just like an incredible showcase of like the top uh, junior talent in the world. So it's been pretty fun so far. Yeah, '88, uh, 1991 are up there. Uh, mostly doing recaps and, and and discussing like the lesser known wrestlers that, that like you know in 1991 is Honaga versus Juice and Thunder Liger. I don't go over Juice and Liger that much, but I go real deep into Honaga and and his background, his history, uh, and stuff like that. So it's been cool because I think that's literally the first Honaga match I had ever seen in my life. So uh, it was cool to watch that, and that's like you know the upset of the century as this you know tournament doormat comes out of nowhere uh, to win the whole thing and win the title and and, and become a made man uh, after that as well. So yeah, 88, 99, 91 are up. Uh, 94 coming soon, and then, yeah, we'll have a bunch more uh, over the next week or so. So as we, we try to catch up, and hopefully we'll get uh, through them all, but we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. So, as always, we have a lot of new subscribers. If you are on the $10 tier, okay, I've had several people ask me, now, now that there's a new November, they're going back and trying to listen from the start, and they're, the posts are locked. That's a glitch in Patreon. We have to explain this every couple of months. You have to uh, downgrade your sub to the $5 tier, which then unlocks all of the old $5 tier content, and then upgrade back, immediately upgrade back to the $10 tier. You will not get charged twice. It's the only known workaround. I have sent a million tickets to Patreon to try to figure out this bug. They very clearly are not going to help me with this. I keep getting back automated emails and someone's going to get back to me. They never do. I give up the workaround. Unfortunately is the only way to, to seemingly get around this. You have to go down to the $5 tier and then upgrade right back to the $10 tier. And what that will do is it will retroactively open up all of those $5 posts that are locked from before you subscribed at the, t- see what happens is if you subscribe for $10 today, everything that we post for one, five, or ten will be available to you moving forward. But all of the stuff below the ten dollar tier from before you subscribed is gonna be locked. Right. And and a lot of it before, you know, the ten dollar tier even existed as well. Which right. is super, super annoying. Very annoying. But that's the workaround. It takes two minutes. There hasn't been a single person to report back that it did not work for them. It works every time. I know it's a pain, I know it's an extra step. I wish there was another way to solve this. Patreon has no interest in working with me on this. I just don't think that they're set up to handle the way we have our tiers set up and whatnot. It's just, it is what it is. So you just have to do that little workaround. 
if you're a new subscriber and you want to go listen to all the Jovembers, that's the way you're going to have to do it. And, and that goes for any of the older content from before the $10 tier existed. I think that's the cutoff. And then I had someone telling me it was anything for $5 from before they subscribed. I don't know if that person was confused hmm, okay. or, but, but I know for a fact, it's all of the $5 stuff from before we added the $10 tier. So now if you're on the $5 tier and then you upgrade to 10, you should be good. You'll be fine. I believe you're, you're okay. This is for, if you, if you come in as a new $10 subscriber, you're going to face that little bug where a lot of the $5 stuff is locked. That's the workaround. And um, what I'm going to do, I posted it a couple weeks ago, but about once a month, I'm going to make a post on the Patreon itself, reminding everybody that that is the workaround because we constantly have new subscribers and they're constantly confused. And I don't want anyone to think that we're ripping them off. I want you to get the full value. If you're on that $10 tier, you should be able to access yeah, You're going to get it all. Yeah, don't feel yeah. bad. Like, because I, I feel people are always like, oh, I'm so sorry. And it's like, no, 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 no. You fucking paid $10. You can listen to everything. Yeah. That's the point. So, yeah. So, if you're on that $10 tier, there shouldn't be anything that's locked anywhere on the page. None of the written content, nothing. So, uh, that's the little workaround for that. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. $10 gets you everything, including all of the live content. And $5 gets you eh, most of everything. So, um, subscribe today how about that today i don't care if it's thanksgiving when you listen to this stop what you're doing and subscribe today all right patreon.com slash voice wrestling by the way voice wrestling.com slash patreon make sure you're doing that all right let's uh let's get to the meat uh, of the show here uh we unfortunately have to start off uh we're, we're gonna get to don't worry we will get to taker's final farewell do not worry but uh before we do that though uh some unfortunate news in the world of wrestling uh the passing of impact wrestling's bob Ryder. uh bob Ryder had uh, apparently uh, been battling cancer for a few years i did not know that actually i, I, I was kind of surprised when i heard uh that news but apparently he was found uh, uh dead uh this morning apparently he had a fall the night before uh, let people know, hey, I'm okay, I'm fine. You know, just had a fall, but I'll be, you know, I'll be back later. Or yada yada yada. Uh, and then people didn't hear from him afterwards, and unfortunately found that that he had passed away uh, sometime last night, or, or they had discovered him uh, today. So, uh, pretty tragic story there uh, for Bob Ryder and 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 his passing away. And he's a guy who, you know, a lot of people. He's one that I, I find that there's a like people either know a lot about Bob Ryder and he's a very familiar name and a very obvious name to people, or people just don't know him at all, and, and the name means nothing to anybody. And I think that's kind of an interesting interesting dynamic of Bob Ryder because he's a guy who really, from the day that Impact Wrestling began, he was there. You know, and, and, and you know, we can start that way as we kind of work backwards over his career. I mean, he essentially is the one that gets the, the idea in the head of, of, of Jeff and, and, and Jerry Jarrett, you know, saying, hey, you know, we should run, you know, you should run your own company. You know, WF's not going to hire us because of a multitude of reasons uh, for both Jeff and uh, you know uh, uh, and Jerry and 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 Bob as well. Doesn't seem like he you know thought he had any prospects of ever getting hired by that company. So he says, well, why don't why don't you make your own company? And and that's kind of when the idea of of Impact Wrestling TNA uh, gets going is from him. But yeah, he dates back to WCW uh, and even before that. You know, he did some did some online radio stuff and some some internet writing for for them. But his real beginning, and this is the reason I kind of wanted to talk about Bob Ryder. Uh, at length, is his real beginning was with OneWrestling.com, one of the early uh, and most prominent early 
uh, wrestling news sites on the internet, you know, he was kind of the head of it, of, of OneWrestling.com and a, and a big part of that website and a big part of early, you know, internet wrestling communities too with a prodigy and and, and different message boards and stuff like that. Like really one of the, the, the early, early guys uh, to, 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 you know, harness the power of the internet uh, for, for pro wrestling. But, uh, but you know, before I, I had a question, I actually kind of want to, you know, get into your history uh, a little bit. But uh, before that, any uh, anything that you know or wanted to say about Bob Ryder? Um. I mean, not really. I think you summed it up pretty good. You know, that's a guy that was, uh, you know, a lot a lot of people. Now, he's been with Impact Wrestling for years and years and years from the start. Right, right. Literally the start and, 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 and I think was always there. I don't think he ever, ever left as far as I know. Yeah, doing a variety of jobs. I think most recently he handled the travel and a lot of the talent relations stuff, but um, just in a variety of roles. And he goes all the way back to the dying days of WCW. And like you said, the early days of, uh, what used to be the internet wrestling community, which is a term I hate now because we talk <laughs> Everybody about it all is the, time. the internet. <laughs> yeah, so dumb. I mean, it, people it, on Twitter being like, "Oh, you IWC people!" <laughs> like we're on Twitter. Like, yeah, you're on. It's yeah, 2020. I mean, <laughs> there's not a single human that's my not grandma, on the internet. <laughs> my grandparents have internet. Like, but I mean, that was a legitimate term in yes, 1994. Yes. I mean, that you know because there was a small percentage of fans that were on the internet and that made them the internet wrestling community. And in those days it was mostly smarks and newsletter reading types and things like that. And because uh, you know, they, they would, they were the ones that were seeking out wrestling content on the very early internet. And I mean, I I have to tell you like a a big reason that, um, you know, I, I got on the internet in those early days was specifically for wrestling. I mean, it was, you know, in the, in the mid nineties or, you know, the early nineties or whatever, it's like, I wanted to be on the internet so I can seek out wrestling information. Mm -hmm. Like that was my prime objective for finally, you know, getting on the internet in those early days with dial up and all that. Yeah. That's what I was, I I was actually going to ask that question. That's what, you know, got me on this is, is, you know, looking at Bob Ryder's career and and going back to those old prodigy chats and one wrestling and stuff. And I was kind of curious, like, Hey, how did you kind of get into, you know, wrestling on the internet? How did you quite find it? And, and, you know, my entry story is almost exactly the same. Like I went to a buddy's house and, and he had, you know, AOL. And I remember we were kind of just clicking around and doing shit. And I discovered that there were wrestling chat rooms and I was like, Holy shit. (laughs) Like, Oh my God. Like I could talk wrestling with other people like around the world. And, and immediately like that night I went home and I was like, mom, we need to have the internet. We have to have the internet. And that's pretty much from that moment to, till the the fucking literal second that I'm talking here. Uh, the most important thing I've done on the internet is probably wrestling related. You know what I mean? From, for the, the, the moment I got it till today, it's, it's, you know, my internet, has pretty much been, you know, not a hundred percent, but but majority focused uh, on pro wrestling. So yeah, you have you have a similar story as well. Yeah, I mean that's why I wanted to get on the internet. You know, primarily when when it first became a thing that was widely accessible to you know normal people, because um, you can go back to the eighties where you would like the earliest modems and and things like that, and the earliest versions of email where it was just like your super hardcore neckbeard nerd types who were on this thing called the internet that everybody was just disregarding, um, you know, swearing to everyone it was going to be the future and everybody ignoring them. And then five, six years later, it, it, you know, it turned out to be the truth. And, you know, I wanted to get in on this primarily for wrestling. And, and, and you know, Bob Ryder is one of those guys that was kind of a one of the early pioneers of, of, uh, 
of the internet wrestling community when that was a legitimate term. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's why he's a name where if you're of a certain Asian or a longtime fan, you know, that's a name you've been familiar with and that you recognize going back, you know, 25 years at this point. And then, of course, he ended up in the wrestling business with WCW. And you'd mentioned one wrestling, which was, you know, one of the biggest, site, you know, news sites of its day. I think it still exists. I mean, I don't think it still does. Yeah. Bill Apter actually writes for one wrestling uh, these days, yeah. which is, is, is very interesting as, as, you know, these kind of relics of, of the Internet's past, the Internet wrestling past are still kind of around. And the website looks, uh, I think, probably how it did in, you know, in 2002. It doesn't look uh, super updated. But, yeah, it's still off. It's still going. And a lot of these names have have. Uh, interestingly enough, still you know, still around and and still doing stuff. And yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to ask about like wrestling sites uh, that you frequented because yeah, when I went today to find, hey, is one wrestling still around? And I find not only is one wrestling still around, and that was a website that you know I went I I went to a, a, along with a bunch of other sites, but not only is it still around, but Bill Apter, you know, wrestling, yeah. you know, PWI's Bill Apter is still writing for it and is now kind of the head guy of it. And it's just like, god damn, like once you're once you're in this wrestling news biz, you're just kind of there for life, it seems. <laughs> it's it's really bizarre. And these sites, like I, I used to be a big Raja.com fan, and that's still around. Uh, there used to be a site called the People's Wrestling Website, tpww.net or something. And I like I found out that that's still around. And all these have like the same layouts that they had in like 2002. And it's just it's, it boggles my yeah. mind that these sites just like still exist. And, and I guess they're still getting enough traffic to be worth, you know, running and stuff. But, yeah, it's it's just really bizarre uh, how long these, these sites last. By the time the 2000s came around, because um, I'm a little older than you, it was like by then I was just fully embedded into the sheets. So it was like I kind of avoided – so I didn't really have a use for those sites because they were just – much like today, they were just regurgitating. Right, right, right. What was in the Observer or the Torch or, or whatever. So it was like redundant at that point. And, and and you would begin to learn, okay, well, I could see where some of them are bullshitting and where others are just, you know, copy-pasting Meltzer or Keller. So you kind of avoided them. Um, you remember Mikasa? Do you remember that one? Do you remember? So um, I, I don't think, because, you know, Brian Alvarez today on Wrestling Observer Live was talking about, you know, Prodigy and the early internet and his stuff. I, I do not remember Mikasa whatsoever. So I guess I, I completely missed the Mikasa run. But uh, do you remember- that was one that he brought up right away. Oh, he did. Yeah. Well, he's about my age. So he did. You remember bagpipe report? I do remember the bagpipe report, though. I, I do remember that. Was that on Mikasa or no? Were those separate? No, that was like a like a digital newsletter kind of deal. Like it would come. You, you'd get it like in your email. Yes. Forget, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget the dude. There's probably people screaming at us, but I can't remember the guy. He's still I think. Is it Blake Norton? Does that sound, yes. name sound right? But yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. Or, again, I don't know anything about the stock market. I can't. I can't do anything on a car, but I can tell you that Blake Norton wrote the bagpipe report. Bagpipe like, report. God damn it! Yeah. Like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. Jesus Christ. And then there were then there were news groups. There's probably a lot of people who don't even know what that is. Like there were news groups where you would talk wrestling, and it's like early versions of message boards but they weren't really like message boards they were do you remember news groups at so all I, I was yeah i was probably too late to the news groups thing because by the time i started getting on the internet that's when chat rooms began and that's when forums really yeah. started as well so i was more of a message board um chat room guy more so than the news groups yeah so that was kind of like a thing and um you know it, it's but remember internet was so like it was all 56k dial up and 
um, you, you know, you really it, it's it, it, it's really just uh, but things advanced pretty quickly, and then a lot of that old way of passing information just kind of you know went to dust, and like you're saying, it then became chat rooms and especially message boards then became a thing and then the message board era i mean that was just the wild west um and now message boards are basically dead i mean our own message board the traffic just died we came in at the very tail end of that um and just gave up on it and people seem to have moved on i think twitter largely killed message boards i think that's fair to say yeah oh no doubt um and now, you know, there's it's kind of like going in reverse because now discords are the big thing. And they're kind of like just a faster – they're somewhere between Twitter and a message board, right? Because it's a specific community of people, but it's quick messages like Twitter. It's right, kind of like – Right, It's like a chat – it's like a, a better version of a chat room in a way. Where like, you know, normally on, on in a random AOL wrestling chat room is you and 10,000 other random people – just saying things and nobody you, you, you couldn't really follow any conversation i it's, it's bizarre that we ever use those because it's like, it was just like a madness it was just like a thousand people typing every single second but what would happen sometimes uh with those chat rooms and, and, and different chat sites and prodigy in particular and that's what bob Ryder uh was a big part of is, is the early prodigy uh wrestling chat rooms is they were like hyper-focused community chat rooms so it would be like you know he would create this one chat room and it was only for you know 50 people to really talk about this particular company or or this particular wrestler or whatever so that is kind of what discord i i see is is where it is like a little bit more community based it's not really just kind of everybody all jumping in all at once and 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 talking and things going nuts but it has that feel a little bit more of uh more more obviously more chat room than 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 anything else and and twitter obviously is not that and, uh, you know, to me, I, and, and I, I, you know, at Discord, I, I, I like our Discord a lot. I think there's some really good conversations that happen in there. But I, I do miss the days of, of message boards. That's really, to me, the, 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 the sweet spot of pro wrestling discussion, to me, will be the message board days. And, and, and those are probably never coming back because people just don't have the patience to do it. But there was just something about the message boards that, that just always and, – and that's really, like you said, that's where I gravitated to pretty early on. Like I did a lot of news, you know, random bullshit news websites and stuff like that. But then pretty early on, I want to say maybe for me it was like 02, 03, somewhere in that range is when I started becoming a little bit more of a newsletter guy. And then I found, you know, the Wrestling Observer board and other kind of message boards that talked about wrestling. And then from that point forward, that's kind of where I, I, I did my wrestling discussions uh, and, and really consumed a lot of my wrestling media was on those message boards. I think in the early days of Twitter, a lot of the old message boarders tried to treat Twitter like the message boards. And what we quickly found out was you can't do that. It's it's Twitter is just not built for that. Even with the 280 characters and because the problem with Twitter is it, it's hard to have long form thoughts. And then anyone in the world can just jump into your conversation and derail it or troll you or send it in another direction. And it's just, and I think that in the last two or three years, I think all of the old message boarders have kind of learned how to use Twitter better and have gotten away from treating Twitter like a board. Cause it's just, it can't be. Um, so yeah. And I do think boards are dead. I just don't like you're saying people don't have the patience, the old message board days, you know, you'd see a thread, you'd reply to somebody with a wall of text. Yeah, you'd sit down, crack your knuckles, and then for the next 25 minutes, 
you crafted your argument or your response and then you know clicked and reply and then go, waited yeah. and then we're like all right let's see and then yeah. it might be another day until someone said something and then you'd crack your knuckles and go all right here we go rich like, <laughs> it might be 10 minutes it might be 10 days when right. the person gets back to you and that's it's like no one is has the patience for that anymore you know it's like you you you'd, you'd hit send you'd go you eat dinner you fuck your girlfriend you go to a movie you come back home and you crack open the laptop and up oh, ah, they still haven't replied you know rinse repeat you're waiting for this person to get back to you and it would take months to have a conversation sometimes there's threads on some of these message boards that are years long i mean they just you know they go on forever and it's just it's dead and it's gone and i don't think it's ever coming back but i do think that we've lost you can get into a much better and deeper conversation on a board than you, than you ever could on a Discord or on Twitter. I mean, it's not even close. But, you know, time marches on. You know, it's just and, – and, and there's something coming down the pike that's going to kill Discords and Twitter. I mean, that's just the way it goes. Um, I don't know what it is. Otherwise, I'd be a billionaire in a couple years. But something's coming that's going to make those things – the old way of communicating. Yeah. So, um, you know. So that's that's all we know about Bob Ryder right now. Uh, well, obviously, if, if anything other, you know, the other news comes out or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it has been pretty cool to see a lot of people. The, the people. I think he blocked us on Twitter. So we, we've, we unfortunately have not really interacted with, with him personally uh, in, in quite a while. And he did have a pretty contentious relationship with a lot of people uh, as well. But no matter what it, it was, I mean, that was a dude who was always – just all in on Impact Wrestling and TNA. And that's that's probably – he honestly blocked us because we probably said TNA sucked at some point because there's many times I, where it sucked, so I'm sure he got mad about it or something. So. I never had a single interaction with Bob Ryder personally on Twitter, on a board, so I don't know. It's probably like you're saying. Yeah, it was probably in 2013 we said that some episode of TNA sucked and he got mad or something like that, which is – again, like he was loyal to like just the, an, an un. An un- unbelievable degree in, in, in TNA. And that was one of the quotes I was reading as they were talking about TNA guys is like that he would just never take days off. They said, hey, go, you know, go away for a few months to do your chemotherapy. And he would say, no, I'll, I'll work. I'll work through chemo. I'll do. And it was just like, dude, it's 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 impact. It's TNA, man. Like you can, you know, you could slack off. Like, look at this company. You could, you could slack off. It's OK. And he just never, ever did from from the moment he, he came in there. And it's like different power structures as well. Like, you know, he was all in with the Jarrett's when, when, when they were in charge. And then once they were kind of gone, he was all in with Dixie. And he was like, all right, cool. Let's, you know, now you're my new leader and let's do this. Let's let's grow impact. And uh, I do remember him interacting with a lot of the kind of the weird, you know, fringe uh, TNA websites, your meccas, all those sort of people. He'd reach out to those people because he realized, hey, you're the ones that are, are watching our TV and buying all of our stuff and doing all those sort of things. So, you know, he he got it. You know, he got it from from the moment he started, you know, discussing it, the internet, on, you know, or discussing wrestling, you know, on the internet in the 90s all the way through, yeah, until the 2010s. And, and, and then, yeah, the most recent years, he's been kind of out of the spotlight and more kind of in a backstage role. Uh, for impact doing, you know, travel and talent relations and that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, one of the constants is people just saying, you know, how fiercely loyal he was uh, to TNA and, 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 you know, our own Garrett Kidney, uh, who of course, you know, hosts the Wednesday war games uh, podcast here on the voice wrestling podcast network and uh, former impact reviewer and, uh, you know, impact super fan. Uh, he just said, you know, he didn't say much, but he said, yeah, a lot of impacts history died today with Bob Ryder. I mean, he's a guy who, who knows it all been there since day one. And, and, and now he uh, is no longer with us. So. Definitely sad. Now he had, like you said, he had his enemies, and I mean, and 
you know, if you dig around, there's some a lot of sketchy stories about Bob Ryder and things like that too. Today's not the day for any of that. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But but I mean, for, I I personally, I don't know about you, I never interacted with the guy ever, um, not even a tweet. So um, I don't have any issues with him, and never had any issues with him. Um, you know, so but but yeah, there's definitely. Um, you know, he was a, I don't know, he was colorful. Let's put it that way. Um, and, and, and leave it at that for now. But, uh, but yeah, um, apparently had cancer for a long time. So, um, not totally unexpected, but it's still, you know, um, shocking at the same time, because this was a guy who was still working and involved with things and, you know, um, now he's gone. So I, I did find a tweet that I, I think maybe he, he blocked us for. Oh, <laughs> it's God. This one. Oh, God. Maybe, <laughs> it's maybe not too bad. We did. Uh, so <laughs> it's Bob Ryder. This is uh, uh, June 30th, 2015. Okay, we're going to look real bad here, aren't we? Uh, no, not, not that bad. It's 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 just perfect TNA uh, here. Is so, uh, What's the Bob, date on this? This is uh, June 30th, 2015. Okay. Uh, so this is the last interaction we, we had. So this might have been uh, the, the moment that it happened. So. Uh, Bob Ryder tweets at Bustin' Open Radio. Yes, Joe is white knighting for his favorite radio show, Bustin' Open, here. Just so you know. Uh, Bob Ryder writes, Ridiculous that a guy with 282 followers who writes for a print mag with about that many readers got airtime to blast us. So I don't know who he's referring to there, but hmm. somebody that wrote for a print magazine went on Bustin' Open Radio and, 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 and got mad about Impact or said something about Impact or, or whatever. Uh, so I'm guessing this is you. This sounds like <laughs> this sounds like a Joe Lanza, but it might have been me. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not. Um, uh, it says as ridiculous as a company that sold 282 less tickets this year, throwing shade. You guys had a good week. Chill. Hmm. So that's you telling them, hey, you haven't sold the ticket this year, so maybe don't. Because uh, <laughs> you know, obviously, I think they were. Are they still in the impact? I don't know what the hell is going on with the with with, with impact well, okay, at that time, I have, So that's definitely a Joe tweet. But why? Why am I sticking my nose at Bob Ryder? No and, idea. This is why this is Twitter. This is why Twitter sucks. Is Bob I mean, Ryder just, has a beef with Busted Open and this guy, and you're just fucking scrolling on your phone and you see it and you say, "Ah, I need to tell Bob Ryder he fucking sucks." And that's why that's why yeah. Twitter stinks. <laughs> Absolutely, I am in the you wrong had here. No reason to be in that conversation whatsoever. It didn't involve None. you. It opened. It involved Busted Open Radio, which you're not exactly like the biggest fan of either. It, no, it, I kill them all the time. Right, there was no reason for you to jump in and besmirch Bob Ryder, yet you did, because Twitter fucking sucks. Well, they didn't sell a single ticket that year. So I mean, I you're mean, not they, wrong. <laughs> I wonder who this writer was that with 280 followers. Yeah, I'm really curious. I, I have no idea. Um, I guess he was a Pro Wrestling Illustrated guy, but I, nobody seems to be um, – I don't know. Nobody seems well, to really they, say who it is. So They cycle through so many people that – but but who would busted open book? But that's see that's a different era of busted open too. That was when it was Lagreca and um, the other host. Now it the other guy's gone and it's Lagreca, Mark Henry, Tommy Dreamer, and um, and Bully Ray. Um, I don't know who that could have been that came on the show, but uh, the show is way worse now. By the way, with those three guys instead of um, you know, Mark Henry is so bad at radio. I mean, the next interesting point that Mark Henry makes on the radio, 
will be the first interesting point that Mark Henry makes on the radio. He just loves everything. And yeah, I see the only thing I ever see from Mark Henry on that show is like, yeah, aggregators, like we were talking about making fun of just being like Mark Henry, you know, colon quotes like survivor series was awesome what a great event like i'm just like okay that's cool mark henry retribution is a hit like he just loves everything like he's one of those guys that doesn't put any because he's still like he's still adjacent to the company right exactly right right he's not he's he's, he's always he always wants that next paycheck so yeah i mean he's not gonna go out there and kill him he just you know and and if you're a wwe fan i guess you're into that. You want to listen to someone who likes what you like. So I kind of get it. And bully Ray is bad at radio in a totally different way because he's just smarmy. And anytime a, a caller calls in, he has to put them down and is like, uh, you haven't been in this business. Uh, so you can't tell me about th- He says this business. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm shocked that uh, that's bully Ray's uh, uh, <laughs> demeanor and, and attitude to uh, callers on a wrestling yeah. show. I'm, I'm, I'm stunned that he would be. What do you so. know about this business? It's always, you know, it's like, <laughs> come on guy. Like, you know, look, I get it. You're going to get bad callers. I understand that, but it's like, and uh dreamer, I don't know. He's not on enough to really have an opinion, but to show, I mean, look, it was never a great show, but it, it's gone. Um, it's 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 a lot worse now than it was, and I know people think I'm nuts, but the best host they ever had was Larry Dallas. The guy was just good at it. I mean, he just because he had he had opinions, whether you agreed or disagreed, he was compelling. At least he had something to say. Like, you know, he would he would he would praise shit, but he would bury shit too. You know, and he would ask interesting questions to get instead of Mark Henry out there just fucking throwing roses at everything. I mean, Mark Henry is the easiest to please wrestling fan of all. Like, he doesn't dislike anything. I mean, that's just, it's boring. I don't know. How can you listen to something like that? Oh, you're not going to get that on this show. No, today. hell no. <laughs> hell no. No, it's, uh, how many anyway. roses being thrown? Well, there'll be some roses thrown, but, uh, not, not in this next segment that we're going to talk about here because, uh, we have to, Joe, talk about WWE Survivor Series 2020 best of the best apparently they added a tagline that I didn't hear about until the show started which was the best of the best where uh teams decided and wrestlers decided who was better who was the best of the best was it raw or was it smackdown and uh I don't know did we ever come to a conclusion who was the best of the best I don't recall Ooh, uh... I will say this I saw Mark Henry in a cotton patch cafe in College Station Texas about a year ago I was in there eating lunch with TLB, and um, he may be a bad radio host, but he was in there with about 20 kids, and I think he was buying everybody it was some kind of outing or get-together or lunch gimmick or something. Um, so they were handicapped kids, and it was a real nice scene. So um, I will put over Mark Henry for that. He was in there and uh, looked like he was buying lunch for a group of uh, special needs kids or something. That's so, awesome. Yeah, I've heard he's an awesome yeah. dude. So maybe not a yeah, great radio yeah, host, I, but an awesome dude. So I just think he stinks at radio. Right. I mean, that's, which is fine. Know, yeah, that's cool. But, but yeah, he, that that was a real cool scene, you know. And um, I said to TLB, "Hey, that's uh, that's the world's strong. That's the world's twenty sixth strongest man, Mark Henry. Will he finish in the Olympics? Twenty sixth? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But yeah, and, uh, the WWE never stopped because one tournament he went to, he had like the most combined, you know, lift weights or something like that. So they, you know, declared him the world's strongest man in perpetuity. Apparently, so yes. uh, he's still to this day the world's strongest man. So that's. So she says, "Well, oh, why don't you go say hello?" And I was like, "I don't." I was like, I "Don't know him." 
I don't know him. And she's right. like, but you have that whole thing that you do. I'm like, I don't – that doesn't mean I know that guy. I mean, like in her mind, I must know all the wrestlers. You know, so she's like, oh, go say hello. Go have a chat. And I'm like, I don't know the fucking guy. I, I wouldn't know what to Can say. Can you imagine Joe Lanza? Hi, world. Hi. Hello, Mark Henry. My name is Joe Lanza from the Voices of Wrestling. How are you? <laughs> yeah. Big fan. Like, yeah, what are you going to say? Yeah. But she doesn't know. She thinks, like, I must know everybody. You know what I mean? Because I do this dopey show. She is no concept. Right. So that, was, like, that was one time I was, uh, I was staying at a hotel where the, uh, the Detroit Pistons were staying. Uh, and I get on an elevator with uh, – uh, ben Wall. Well, I, I notice all the uh, all the players are there, and I see like Ben Wallace walking to the elevator, and I'm walking to the elevator. I'm like, oh shit, like that's Ben Wallace or whatever. And and she's like, oh really? And she doesn't know who Ben Wallace is, and she's like, oh okay, cool. Like this is this is pre Michelle or whatever. So she's like, oh well, you're gonna talk to him. I'm like, what the hell am I gonna say? And then you know we get on the elevator, and she goes, she's like nudging me, like go talk to. Him. I'm like, what am I gonna tell Ben Wallace? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Hey Ben, how are you? <laughs> Right, exactly. He's a giant man. What what am I gonna say? If you want to be honest, I think he fucking sucked when he came to the Bulls. You want me to tell him that I'm annoyed that he came to the Bulls and fucking stunk as the big free agent? Like, what am I gonna tell Ben Wallace? Like, hey Ben, uh, good defense, buddy. Like, what what am I gonna say to Ben Wallace? Like, I'm like, I'm not gonna bother this man. He's just trying to go to his hotel room and you know do whatever he's gonna do for the rest of the night. Which you know, given the the clientele around the you know the the elevators and the, the you know the hospital or the the hotel bar that day. Like he had plans for the night and I was not going to bother those plans. But what, what are we going to say to Ben Wallace? You know, <laughs> I, I totally get it. Like what, what conversation did, was I supposed to have with Mark Henry? Well, she's like, well, you knew you, he's like, she's like, well, you knew who he was. Like he's a big, you know, NBA guy. I'm like, yeah, I, I know who he is. That's fine. Like that's that we can leave it at that. Our relationship ends there. I've watched this man play basketball on television many times. That is it. That is all. Well, some people are like into that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm not yeah, yeah. knocking that. I'm not knocking that, but it's like I I look at it the same way you look at it. Wh- okay, why would I approach Mark? I don't. I have nothing to say to this guy. We don't have any like mutual friends. I've never spoken to him in my life. I've approached wrestlers at wrestling shows if they have done our show. That I have done because. I have got went back when we used to do interviews. We don't do interviews anymore. But when I would run into wrestlers at at wrestling shows, not in public, that like we interviewed, I would go up to them at shows if they weren't busy or they were just meandering around. I'd say, "Hey, I'm Joe Lanza from Voice of Wrestling. We interviewed you a couple weeks back or a couple months back." And they'd go, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." Well, you know, and I would thank them for coming on, and that'd be that. But other than that, I I, I don't know. I don't nothing to say to these people. What am I supposed to say to Mark? Like you're like you're saying. What am I supposed to say to Mark Henry in a restaurant? You know, I got nothing. I got nothing. And to you say just to know, him. even if he's not rolling his eyes inside, he's like, "What the fuck? Like, just let me buy. Let me just come here and get this food for these kids and have my yeah. meal or whatever." I'm, I've I've never wanted to bother. You know, outside like a wrestling show, I think is kind of fair game. Especially if you're like backstage or they're selling goods or what you know what I mean like that that's fine that's their environment they're there that's cool but yeah when you see like an athlete or, or a wrestler or whatever at a restaurant or at an airport or whatever like dude I I'm not gonna bother them that's just... I can't do it I can't do it yeah no I mean um yeah I mean I'm sure he would have been pleasant yeah oh but... I'm sure but just the awkwardness of like that conversation of like what do I say how do I end the conversation like yeah the context of the like. After, oh, hey, uh, you're Mark Henry, right? Or, like, you know, I have to do that move where he's like, yeah. Yep. I'm like, of course I'm Mark Henry. Look at me. Yeah. I'm like a fucking, <laughs> yeah. the size of a bus. Yes, I'm Mark Henry. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's pretty distinctive. There's right. not a lot like, of yeah. people walking 
background that look like Mark Henry. Right, exactly. It's like yeah. me and, the, and and you know the, the, this girl and then Ben Wall. It's like yeah, I'm like oh, are you Ben Wallace? He's like yeah, you know I'm Ben Wallace. It's like come on, man. Like I'm a, right. a, a for defensive player of the year in the NBA. Like you know who I am. Like yeah, so I'm gonna, I have to do that move. You can't. Yeah, you got to do that because you can't just say hey Ben Wallace and he's just like okay yeah what because then you're like pointing at him. It, it's so awkward. I'm getting awkward thinking about. Interacting with it, these people that I have never even interacted with. So. Yeah. It's funny because um, normally I am awful at recognizing famous people in the wild. Like I'm terrible at it. Mark Henry obviously is an easy one. But but like being in the restaurant business in a college town, you come across – like there have been many times where I've had like a waitress run up to me and go, I can't believe it. Von Miller was here. And I'm like I wouldn't know Von Miller if if I tripped over him on the way to his table. Like, how would you, I, I, I never recognize like these generic looking famous people. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. Like, uh, every time I go to Vegas and I'm with somebody, they're like elbowing me. Oh, did you see who just walked by? And I'm like, no. And they they tell me who it is. And I'm like, well, I would have never like, I, I, whatever. There's just, if I see them on TV, I know who they are. But when I see them in person, it's like this weird, thing where i don't recognize yeah unfortunately i'm the opposite and i recognize like very random people um and and like very because like we were in we were in california uh a few years ago and do do you remember the show cousin skeeter you probably don't you i think that's uh but anyway this is what i mean it was like the actor from cousin skeeter was at this like restaurant where we were at and I kept like looking at him and like in a weird in the way to be like, hey, where do I know this guy? Like I know this guy from somewhere and I'm trying to think of it and I'm trying to do whatever. And what ends up happening is, you know, we get up in the line together and and like I'm not looking at him at this point. I'm not saying anything to him or whatever. And he just looks at me and he goes, Cousin Skeeter, that's where I'm from. <laughs> and then he walks away and I was like, Yes, that is what a he, power he move. What a power move by that guy where he's like, people look at me and say, Man. I know that guy because he has a very distinct face. Like anybody that knows who I'm talking about, like I, I forget the guy's name. It, 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 I'll look it up real quickly. But he, he a very distinct face. Like he was a pretty famous for like a certain demographic of kids at a certain time or whatever. So I'm sure people look at him all the time and go, man, who is that guy? I know who he is. So much so that, yeah, he just walked up to me because he could tell that I kind of like had made like weird eye contact and just said, yeah, Cousin Skeeter. So like, yeah. Like, oh, all right, cool. See, he he must get it so much. Robert Richard you know, is he, his name. Robert Richard is his name. He was on uh, I don't know what else he was on besides Cousin Skeeter. So, yeah, I I never heard of that show. I have no idea what you're talking about. But was that some kind of uh, uh, is that a '90s kid show? Yeah, it was a '90s kid show with like uh, there was like a a, a, a a puppet or something. I don't know if it's technically a puppet. I don't know. People, so the puppet Twitter is going to get mad if I call it a puppet. I, I I guess he's a puppet. I don't know. He's a Muppet like thing. So, um. The, the the one I was kicking myself with one time is uh, John Ratzenberger was in one of the restaurants once, and I didn't recognize him. That's uh, uh, Cliff Clavin from Cheers. But the problem with him oh, is it's like – dude, every – dude, in Las Vegas, like 90 – like 45% of the people look like him. No, this wasn't in Vegas. This was in, in, in College Station. Oh, okay. But, but he does just look like, like a generic old white guy though. Yes, he put on weight. He doesn't look the same, and and that one I was kind of uh, kicking myself. If he had the uh, stash and like the post out <laughs> postman's outfit, then I think you would nail it. But you know what I mean. But like, yeah, when, when he's just like, because yeah. I'm looking at pictures of him now, yeah, that dude could could knock on my door right now, and I would have no fucking clue that that's who that is. He just does voice work now. Like he he's the piggy bank in Toy Story. He does shit like that. So like he's never even on camera anymore. So like you wouldn't know what he looks like unless you Google him to see what he looks like now. So uh, you know that, that one. I think I, I 
you can let me off the hook. I don't know if if, if a ton of people would have recognized him, but um, you know, you know, in one of the restaurants, I had a uh, this this I had a scout from the Cincinnati Reds come in because he was looking at a picture at A and M, and he came in to eat and he was wearing like Cincinnati Reds like fucking like a uh, like a windbreaker mm-hmm, with the red mm-hmm. classic scout so, outfit, yeah. Yeah, so I, I struck up a conversation with him. I just mentioned that I was a Reds fan. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm looking at, you know, whatever picture he was looking at at A&M. And I sat and talked to that guy for like an hour. It was fucking awesome. Scouts, rule. Scouts are the best people to talk to in the world. If you ever are at a minor league game and there's like 10 people there and there's a scout there, those are men that you can absolutely talk to. A, because they're lonely. They probably will talk to you anyway because they're just on the road yeah. eating fucking, you know, chicken tenders. You know, from gas stations all day, but they will talk to you and do they great conversations with scouts. I've always had good yeah. conversations with them. I would bring up players, and he would just like shake his head, and I'd be like, "What?" And he goes, "No spin rate, forget it. He's not going <laughs> to." Yeah, like, they're great. They're awesome and, to talk to. And I was like, "Wow, you they don't know, bullshit this is either." Yeah, they'll give you like insights. Like the, the, the you know, their job is to give these insights to their team, and they'll just give those insights up to just douchebag who talks to him at a game or talks to him at a restaurant. I love it. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, that went off the beaten path. That did. WWE Survivor Series, best of the best. I don't even know how we got here. They didn't even keep score this year. <laughs> they did. There was no scoreboard. Uh, they didn't do, like, Corey Graves being like, yeah, SmackDown got one! And the you know, high fives Michael Cole like they no, usually do. That. Like, that bullshit. Uh, that didn't happen, so... Uh, the best of the best was, uh, I don't know, discovered on this night. So, uh, I don't know. What would you think? It it was fine, I guess. I don't know. Well, can I say this? Like, we constantly are getting memed on Twitter and whatnot for our negative WWE tweets. And it's like, what do people want us to say? You know, people think that we're doing shtick. No. And we pound this company on purpose. And what would be the point of that? No, it, like, we, our site makes way more money when they're good. I would rather they be great. <laughs> we would, if, if we were going to, like, do some kind of shtick for our benefit, Okay, we would pretend that this shit is good. Yes. And we would try to appeal to these people because there's more WWE fans out there than anybody else. I would be trying to attract the Diva Stan accounts and the Roman Reigns role play accounts and all these fucking wacky people that give us a hard time on Twitter. I would try to appeal to them if if I was attempting to do shtick. We do the opposite of that. What we do here is give our honest opinion and honest assessment of every pro wrestling company. And it isn't my fault that WWE is a steaming pile of irredeemable shit. So I'm going to say that. And I'm going to keep saying that. And I sent out a tweet a couple days after I watched Raw this week. Because I watched another Raw. Start to finish, Rich. That's my dedication level. And after You don't I have watched, to do that. I don't know who's telling you to do that. But you don't have to do that. But I just said, look. It's like, I don't know what you want from me. I'm going to keep telling everybody that Raw is a giant pile of irredeemable shit until it stops being that. This isn't shtick. This isn't uh, being a fucking hater. This isn't a grudge with the company. This isn't they don't give us access because we don't want any. What access? I saw someone saying, oh, they must not give them access. What (laughs) access do we want from them? I don't don't want any access from them. I don't want to go to WrestleMania. Trust me. You guys can keep your fucking WrestleMania ticket. I couldn't wait yeah, I mean, to fly home before WrestleMania and not spend one more second in New York, and especially not spending eight hours in a fucking rainy football stadium watching goddamn WrestleMania. Like, are you kidding? I don't want your free tickets. 
We don't ask for interviews. It's like I don't want that. There's nothing they could give me that I want in terms of access. Okay, so like that's utter nonsense. It's like people don't understand how this works. Again, it's not our fault. It's terrible. It's it's it's. We come on here and talk about how terrible it is, and it keeps somehow getting worse. These raws, Rich. I, I I don't even think it's wrestling anymore. It's not whatever they do. It involve like it involves people who are professional wrestlers, but what they do isn't really wrestling. It's like a bad three hour like variety show, I guess, or something with a series of skits with like live action interceding everything. Like it's not pro wrestling in any way. Yeah, I, I think I said it last week. I mean, they've been telling us for 30 years that they're not pro wrestling. I think we should listen to them. They're telling us the truth. It's really bad. Whatever it is, it's awful. It's just almost impossible to watch at this point. And um, look, the pay-per-views are a little more tolerable. The TV shows are awful. They're just – you can't. It's just I, – I, I really don't understand the mindset of someone who looks forward to watching these shows every week. I, I'm not trying to be a dick. It's just it's, it's, it's awful. Yeah, somebody that willingly I, – I, I really want to tap in. And, and, and people have suggested at one point we – and I don't think it would be good audio. I just don't think we'd no. find anybody that'd be you know reasonable or whatever. But you know somebody has said like, oh, I'd love if you guys could interview like a guy who you know watches you know every episode of Raw and every episode of SmackDown and actually enjoys it. And it's just like I don't really want to talk to those people because I really don't know like you know other than people that are kind of forced to do it for like websites or whatever. Like I don't know the person that I would want to talk to that, that that willingly sits down with their you know thing of popcorn and goes, all right, WWE Monday Night Raw, let's go, and turns on their TV and smacks their hands together and gets in the recliner and pulls the seat back and goes, all right, let's see what's, you know, what trouble the fiend's going to get into this week. Like, I, I don't know that I really want to talk to that person because I don't know if that's really a person that would be A, good audio, and, and, and B, be like, you know, any human being that I want to interact with. You know, I, you know I, I, and again, I'm not trying to be like super mean, but it's just like I, I don't. I just don't understand the mentality of somebody that would do that. So I, I don't think it would be good audio. I think like after four minutes, we would realize that we're on very divergent paths and it would just go in, in, in terrible, terrible directions. So No, I agree. I don't think it would be good audio at all. Um, they would feel like they were being attacked. Um, we would, no matter how polite we were, they would feel like they were being attacked. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. Um, we would feel like this person has to be a fucking insane person. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's it's got to be people who, they're not watching to see wrestling, right? They're watching to see whatever this is. Right, they're WWE Universe fans. They're they're they're, yeah. they're WWE sports entertainment fans, or you can't even call them fans. They're they're, they're members of the universe, and and that's it. Because you can't be a wrestling fan and enjoy WWE. I really no. I really truly believe that, and that that's and and again, I'm not trying to be mean. If you are one of those people, I just really 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 truly cannot believe that you like pro wrestling and then also like what you're getting from them right now. Cause it's just, it, like you said, it's not that it is, it is sports entertainment. It is something completely different. It's, 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 it's just awful. Um, you know, the raw, I mean that opening segment to raw is just <laughs> with the five of those guys taking turns with the horrible scripted lines. And then you got the fiend and Alexa bliss killing a puppet frog. And you've got the new day finish, which looked like a, botch but it was it turns out maybe it wasn't a botch and it was on purpose and did you see that whole fiasco with the new day versus the hurt business i did see that yeah and i couldn't and, I, people were kind of arguing over what was actually going on and i, I don't know that i necessarily 100 percent know uh either what was going on with that thing, I, thought there's, the there's ref, a... I thought the ref was calling it like a shoot and and called for the count out 
but it wasn't supposed to be a count out, but the ref called it like a shoot. Right. And, and, they, and that, that happens I, a lot. That, that does. I yeah. mean, that, cause WWE referees are told to, you know, no matter what happens, call it like a shoot, you know, you know, call it naturally. Uh, and if something fucks up, we'll, we'll, we'll fix it later. But yeah. So I, I'm guessing, yeah, I'm guessing like you said that that's what happened, but it is, it is tough to say well, exactly. Well, I don't know because then I thought then MVP heads up, tried to save it by shit talking new day and saying, get back in here and finish this. And then New Day like didn't know what to do. They're like backing up the ramp. Yeah, like they look heel. like heels. Yeah, as they're walking away from the action. So it was no. It was... We, we that's it. That's it. That was a count. Like they didn't like. So to me, it felt like the ref called it like a shoot because there was confusion, and it seemed like the only person in control of the situation was MVP, right? But then they did come back and finish the match, and it's like, well, that's not typically the kind of thing. When does WWE ever do like a double count out? Well, they did one the night before, I guess, in the women's elimination match. Yeah, true. But they don't typically do double count outs. And it's like, but then I saw some chatter that, no, it wasn't the ref calling it like a shoot. This was by design. It's like, well, why then? Everyone just looked awful. <laughs> <laughs> like it, 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 it would have been a better story to tell everybody that it was a, you know, uh, a wrestler botch and the ref just counting them out. It's just. Everything on, and then you know, you say that the show's bad, and you'll have three or four people hop in and tell you, Yeah, but Riddle versus uh Sheamus was excellent, I'm like, <laughs> right, okay. right? These nine minutes of these three hours were really good, so yeah, uh, it's like I agree, but that's 10 minutes of a three hour and 15 minute show, right. like that's you know, it's like not everything's gonna be you know, the worst thing I've ever seen, but when 95% of it is, and and a lot of this is the worst shit you'll ever see, that Alexa Bliss versus Nikki Cross match. I mean, what are, what are we doing here? Like, what what is that even? Like, who who is the target for that? Like, who enjoys that? I I can't I I don't understand how anyone could possibly enjoy something like that. It's just weird, and and I I, I don't know. But we're not reviewing Raw. We're reviewing Survivor Series. So, um. I don't know. You want to take us through this, baby? Yeah, well, let's let's do it. So we'll we'll end with talk, uh, Taker's final farewell because okay. I have some 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 thoughts about that. But uh, we'll we'll start we'll start right at the top here because I, I think everything is of pretty much equal importance on this show because uh, there were no and stakes gonna, and nothing mattered. So I am gonna try my best to be fair. I mean, it's like I, I'm gonna try to be fair, but it's not my fault <laughs> that most of this is fucking terrible. I can't. So, I don't know. Let's just do it. Let's do it. All right. So, we'll start out with the uh, the Raw versus SmackDown elimination tag match. The men's side here. Uh, Team Raw, AJ Styles, Braun Strowman, Keith Lee, Riddle, and Sheamus. Uh, they defeat Team SmackDown. Uh, Jey Uso, Kevin Owens, King Corbin, Otis, and Seth Rollins. They do a clean sweep. Is that right? The, all five of those guys survived. Yeah. Just like, uh, what was the team that did it in... Uh, uh, the 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 ultimate challenge survival uh, series was it Survivor Series ninety I want to say that had there the ultimate challenge and that, well there's that one a pretty famous one where everybody um, survived but now I'm blanking on who it is so uh, there were many clean sweeps the Visionaries I believe uh, pulled off a clean sweep that might be the one I think I'm thinking of the Visionaries yeah uh, the Hercules <laughs> Roma Warlord and Martell yeah yeah it was Jake Roberts the Bushwhackers and no Jake Roberts the Rockers, and um, oh, I just pulled it up. Let me see if you can get it. You're you're you're, you're three out of four already. Tell me who was on the other team. Power and Glory. Uh, so it was yeah, it was Power and Glory. Uh, so, so Hercules, Roma, Martel, and the Warlord. 
as to who was Wardlord feuding with, because that would be the fourth guy, because Martell was with Jake and Power and Glory was with. I don't remember how this guy was involved with, with these. So other maybe guys, Warlord so. and the other guy were just randomly inserted. I think so. Uh, this feels like a Tito Santana spot. You know, but you're I close, but no, but it not, is not Tito Santana. Yeah. Say, but doesn't it feel like it's it Tito does. Santana? Yeah, spot? we're just like, hey, we need a guy to fill in, and it's a perfectly competent, perfectly cromulent, you know, babyface, Tito Santana. We could just yeah. fill in, have um, a good little 17 minute match, get in there, do some hot spots. But uh, I'm going to be kicking myself, but who was it? It was Jimmy Snuka. Ah, it's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. So that was a great out of his mind. <laughs> Jimmy Snuka, 1990. So I think you're thinking of ultimate warrior, Kerry Von Eric and the Legion of doom. Didn't they clean sweep demolition and Mr. Perfect or did they not? I don't think they did. Cause I think <sighs> maybe you're right. Mel. Maybe they did. Yeah, you're right. No, they didn't. No, no. Uh, half the dudes got disqualified. That okay. So this was the year where they did the ultimate survival thing, where you know everybody came oh, back. Oh yeah, yeah. And like right. five of the guys got. To, I think Demolition and, and LOD got disqualified. They were like you know fighting for a little bit too long. The referee's like, all right, you're out of here. Like that's enough of that. That was and that <laughs> so, was that was Warrior Hogan and Tito. Yeah. Again, against the vision against the Martell team. That was the same year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Tito. W- Tito only got through because they needed someone to eliminate. Right. On the <laughs> right, right, right. So yeah, that that you're right. That wasn't the sweep. But I'll tell you what was a sweep. Slaughter, Hacksaw Duggan, and whoever they teamed with against Boris Zukov. Um this had to be ninety one. This was probably ninety one. Um that was a sweep too. It was uh, help me out here. You pull yeah, I'm, I'm going to pull it up. Yeah, I'm going to pull it up right now. People just heard me <laughs> fuck up. And that was after Slaughter turned. That was when Slaughter turned face after the 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 Iraqi deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's and it was it was Slaughter Duggan. I feel like I'm five. I'm on five star match game. Here. You're, you're doing all right though. You got two out of four here. Slaughter Duggan. Were they teaming with the Bushwhackers there? They were not. Spot? They they were with. Do you want me to do you want me to spoil it for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Texas Tornado and Tito Santana, of course. And they beat Zukov. I think Big Bully Busick was supposed to be on that team, but actually Zukov up... was not there. I was kind of surprised too. I thought you were right as well, but he is not. It's it's a very uh, strange team here. It is. Uh, do you want me to give you the guys? Bunch of dudes with mustaches, right? A bunch of guys with mustaches, yes, but not the guys you're yeah. thinking of. Berserker. Skinner, Colonel Mustafa, and Hercules. <laughs> See, that definitely wasn't the original. I don't intended. think so. No, yeah, that, that's at least I'm pretty sure Big Bully Busick was supposed to be on that team, but left the company. Is this '91? This is '91. Yeah, it's November '91. Um, I've got to know now. I've got to know. So let me see if I could find this who the original uh, team was. So sometimes you see the promo picks with the original dudes. Um, because, yeah, Berserker, Kuro Mustafa, Hercules, and Skinner does not sound like a, like a pretty natural team. So, Well, Mustafa definitely was supposed to be on the team sure. because that was opposite slaughter. Um, there's a replacement in there somewhere because I know I'm not wrong, and, and maybe two because I don't know why I kept saying Zukov. Um, but Big Bully Busick for sure. Usually, usually, Wikipedia has the replacements, but they don't in this case. So that's disappointing. 
because there's been a lot of this uh, replacements in Survivor Series history, especially some of the early ones where Scott Casey got in the mix because uh, I think Brian Blair left the company. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that very common for that to happen. But um, I don't know. Some listener will sort it out for us. But um, yeah, this was a clean sweep. Uh, th- that slaughter match was a clean sweep, though, correct? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. They they yeah. Pin, four straight pinfalls, fifteen minutes in and out with the slaughter team getting the win. So, yeah, and I'm sure there's been others over the years. I'm sure there's been some. Oh, wasn't um, wasn't that CM Punk DX? Oh, you're right. Yeah, what Jeff, was that Survivor Jeff Series '09, maybe something so like, somewhere Punk, around that range? Yeah, it was Punk uh, DX the Hardys, I would think. Or no, no, just Jeff. Or just yeah, you're right, just Jeff. And it was Mike Knox. <laughs> Let me see if I can figure, figure out exactly. Uh... It was Knox because they 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 totally buried him because they Triple H and Shawn Michaels did the thing where they like where they were like, "Who is this guy?" And then he super kicked them and they just beat him in like ten seconds, and they acted like they didn't know who he was, which is a typical WWE thing to do. Um. But I can't remember who else was on that team, but I think that was a, a clean sweep also. Yeah, I can't figure it out. And trying to figure out what year of Survivor Series that was is, is proving difficult. I could, I could pump up, you know, I, could, I can get like exactly 91 and 1990, you know, in, in, in seconds. But yeah, I can't, I can't figure out which one was. It had to be guys. 2009, right? That's what I thought, but it doesn't show those guys. But I, I swore that that was who it maybe, was. So Maybe 2008 because it was WWECW and that would have been 08. Let me see. Yeah, OH shows Team HBK because there's no Triple H here. Um, so I was kind of surprised by that too. So I, I, or he, Triple H was against Edge and Vladimir Koslov for the WWE Championship. So he was out. And then I went to 2007 and I don't think it was that either because that was Jeff Hardy, Kane, Rey Mysterio. And, and so I, I don't know what the hell it was. So could it have been as late as 2010? Because then you have the Nexus coming in, so I don't think it, I, I don't think it's them either. So it can't be 2010. So this well, is like a yeah. I don't know what, the, dude. I promise you're correct. I know that this is a real thing. I cannot for the life yeah. of me find this. It's a real match. I know. I swear. I, I knew it happened as well, but I can't find it. So. We're not Mandela effect. I, right? I maybe we are. I don't know. Because. Uh, was oh, 2006. That's a lot earlier than I thought it was. Okay, all right. It's 2006. 2006. I... Punk, Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy, Shawn Michaels, and Triple H. So it was both Hardys. It was five guys. Yeah, okay. against Team R- Rated RKO. Edge, Mike Knox, as you mentioned, Randall Orton, on one of, the, one of I think, the third of his best runs he ever had in his career. Uh, Johnny Nitro and Gregory Helms was Team Rated RKO. So I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gotten Gregory Helms at this show. <laughs> Eight hours. Yeah. yeah. I could have like said, I, Joe, name every member, uh, every WWE guy you could ever think of ever, and I don't think you'd ever land on Gregory Helms in the 2006 Survivor Series as a member of Team Rated RKO, ever. I think. I think with enough time, I would have come up with nine of those ten and never in my life come up with Gregory Helms. I mean, what the fuck? Um, and that was like not Hurricane. That was Gregory Helms. That was, yeah, that, that was, was, and then he was a serious guy. He was Gregory Helms. Yeah, serious heel, Gregory Helms. 
Um, but yeah, there's another clean sweep. So there have been many, and I'm sure we're missing a bunch, like in the modern era where we don't give a fuck yeah, anymore. Yeah, I don't care anymore. So, yeah, uh, so, you know, like this one here, we will forget about. Oh, by, by yeah, in two years, if there's another clean sweep in Survivor Series, we will never, ever remember that 2020 Team Raw had a clean sweep. Rich, next week I'll forget about I, it. I honestly forgot until I wrote in my notes, clean sweep, remember, in my notes to let me know that uh, I should point out uh, that they did a clean sweep. So this match was a match. Uh, it existed. I, um... <laughs> I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? Um, they wrestled for 19 minutes. Well, they're doing the thing again where, like, you know when people are going to get eliminated because they come into the ring and clean house and do their finish. Right, they're a house of fire for ten, se- then, you know, for five minutes, and then they get pinned and eliminated immediately. So these matches are even lazily booked. Like, you know, they're booked for 12-year-olds, you know, because it's like you know exactly when every limit. And look, they've done that at various points in history. Like, some of the older Survivor Series were the same way. A guy would come in and clean house, and you're like, oh, he's going to get eliminated. Oh, yeah, Tito Santana was, was perfect for it. He'd get the hot tag, he'd eat a Reba, he'd go boom, 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 dropkick, 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 and you just knew he was going to turn around and just eat a fucking tombstone or something like that in two they seconds. Do this so. in, they do this in Royal Rumbles a lot, too, where a guy will go on a hot run in the Royal Rumble, and it's like, oh, well, he must be getting thrown out. You know, it's like... Because they want to give people shine before they get, you know, eliminated or pinned in one of these kinds of matches. But, you know, it makes for a poor watch. But, all right, so Raw's on the board, Rich. Raw's Raw, on the board. 1-0 over win. Team Blue, Team SmackDown there. So. As you know, the stakes are high here. So oh, absolutely, yeah. That, that, uh, yeah. We have, well, <laughs> believe it or not, which is the dumb I mean, when we say this company is irredeemably terrible, is then the next night on Raw, they get these – dorks in the ring and they decide oh yeah well uh you know who gets the title shot now because team raw won and it's like yeah. wouldn't that have been an f- interesting thing to point out that like hey team raw's gonna you know the the winning members of this team will get title shots after this i feel like that's something i would have brought up in the build to survivor series but they uh now look we, like we talked about they did they, <laughs> they have captains who's the captain <laughs> the captain didn't mean anything because they ended up yeah I, I don't i don't know it's they have no interest in making anything more interesting it's just because it's low level drivel for the dumbest among us. That's what this company's for. <laughs> like, they did it right. Like, cause I, If you had told people that, hey, the winning teams all get title shots and then they have to decide, you know, amongst the survivors that they'll have a mini tournament afterwards. Like, that's kind of cool. That's kind of interesting. I mean, it's not like it's not going to make it good, but at least it gives it something. Whereas like this was just like, hey, these title matches, these matches mean absolutely nothing. And then on Raw, oh, they meant something actually now. It's like, oh, perfect. Great. Now it's- is when you promote the show you had last night. Perfect. Great idea. <laughs> Uh, it's they don't try it. This stuff is for people with Seth Rollins in their avatar. That's right, what this right, is right, for. Yeah. People that, that that tell you when they got liked by Liv Morgan uh, in their Twitter profiles. So yes, exactly. Uh, what was next? Uh, next show, non-title SmackDown versus Raw tag match here. The Street Profits they defeat the New Day in the battle of champions and different brands i don't know uh, it's just decent i, I like this match probably the, my favorite match of the entire night um i don't know mm. yeah probably probably the best match of the night but nothing special it was okay um i thought new day worked hard i thought angelo dawkins um looked good on the hot tag which is something he's getting really good at i thought montez ford as usual looked really good um with his high spots so yeah, I like this. It was a nice little tag match. Um, was it the best match in the show? I it probably probably was because I didn't really love the main event as 
anyone who follows us on Twitter might have figured out this week. Um, but I don't know what you thought of the main event yet, so that's interesting because I don't think we've talked about this, and I haven't seen your opinion. But yeah, this was probably the best match in the show because I I didn't think Sasha Asuka was that great. No, I, we're, we're going to get to it when we get to it. I was really disappointed by that. And like In a vacuum, that match might have been better, but I, I went in with pretty high expectations given you know the output that those two have had. Uh, yeah. This year, the output that that you know, just just thinking, okay, cool. It's like a match between you two, and and, and presumably you'll have time. And and yeah, I did not love that match whatsoever. So um, I, this one, I think, it's not the highest of praise to say it was my favorite match of the show. Let me tell you that. But it, it was, I thought it was pretty decent. A lot of good action, and and you know, it was well paced. I thought as well. So I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll give him credit here. I thought it was a pretty damn good match, despite the fact that, that like nice, I have no nice reason little... to give a shit whatsoever about who won or That's who lost. That's the problem. Whatever, so. You know what? That... And that, that is the problem. The problem with a lot of these matches, and I noticed that that might be part of the disconnect, is I, I couldn't fucking care less who wins any of these matches ever. And that's going to hurt your enjoyment. All right? So we have to be fair here. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you're a big New Day fan, you're on the edge of your seat here because you want them to win the match. I mean, are you? Right? <laughs> I, mean, I guess. If, all right. Yeah, I guess you are. Yeah. If, if you're invested in the WWE title for some reason, despite, you know, a million reasons not to be invested in it. You're going to be really into, you know, uh, Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre on raw. Whereas I'm not going to be into it at all because I couldn't give a fuck whoever holds this, these titles. So that's going to help your enjoyment. Like, and I think that's going to play into when we talk about the main event, but really all of the matches up and down the card. Like I thought this was a, a nice little tag match. Three and a quarter, three and a half. Is that fair? Like, that's what this was, right? Three and a half if you're being charitable. That's exactly, yeah. I'm three and a quarter, exactly where I'm at, which is to me my match of the night, which, you know, maybe not high praise, but. You know, this was a nice little pay-per-view mid-card match where everybody looked good. The problem is if you put meaningful stakes on this thing and built up a proper feud, maybe we would have liked it more. Even the exact same match, maybe we would have liked it more. Well, and I think the biggest thing for me, at least, and my enjoyment of of, of of really any wrestling is, you know, like you said, the investment in who wins and loses and, and the investment in the future of, you know, the wrestler and the future of the story and, or whatever. And, like, you know, you're bringing up right there, well, Angel Dawkins is getting better at this and Montez Ford is great at this and Kofi was good. It's like, I don't – it doesn't matter. You know, Montez Ford is never going to get pushed. Like, they're never going to say, hey, Montez, you're great. You should be the champion. And, and it's never going to be built up in a way that's going to make you feel like, oh, man, you know, I, I really – I watched that one match in Survivor Series and it was clear that, like, he's going to be a future star. And, yeah, if they just keep pushing him or whatever, he's going to – you know. It's like, no, n- nothing ever matters. It doesn't – who cares? Biggie presumably should have been pushed, and he's still fucking out there wearing his Gears of War shit and gyrating his hips and shit. And it's like, who cares? All these people just, you know, they're on a fucking treadmill going to nowhere until one day Vince McMahon decides, ah, yeah, go, you're, now you're the champion. And then the guy's the champion, then he loses. And it's, it's like, it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't. So you telling me how Angelo Dawkins, which I agree, Angelo Dawkins had a good, you know, he's getting better at hot tags and Montez Ford is great. It doesn't fucking matter. So it's just like, it's hard to get invested in that level, so. I, I hear you. I mean, look at New Day. They've been in the same spot for six years, yeah. and that's Street Profits will be in the same space. Six years from now, they'll be in the same thing. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe they'll get a little title run, you know, a little little month. You know, Kofi got his little run here and there, and then he's right back now to, you know, throwing pancakes. And, and they tell us, you know, it's <laughs> like I loved on the commentary. They're like, oh, Big E finally gets to reunite with the New Day after the brand split. It's like that was three weeks ago. Yeah, seriously. Like, I mean, oh, my God. Finally, the New Day is back together. It's like. Okay, it yeah. was like, 
It's been like less than a month, but all right. Yeah, finally, they're back. I know everyone's been clamoring to finally once again see the new day. So uh, there you go. Yeah. Well, I don't know. This is a nice little mid-card match. I enjoy it. <sighs> all right. So non-title Raw versus SmackDown, the U.S. champion versus the Intercontinental champion, Bobby Lashley. Uh, defeat Sami Zayn. The match went about eight minutes, but uh, most of the time was Sami Zayn trying to get disqualified. Uh, yeah, it's one of the worst things I've ever seen. <laughs> so bad. It's, it's so bad. It's horrible. And then the finish. How bad was the finish? <laughs> oh, God. He trips over MVP on purpose, and then he's screaming for a DQ, and it's just... Uh, yep. I mean, again, I, this is one of those things where how can anyone genuinely enjoy this? I mean... Is there someone sitting home on a Sunday night just belly laughing? Yeah. At oh, antics? my God. He tripped over him, but he wants to get disqualified. I can't believe I mean, it. You've got to be a complete simpleton to yeah, enjoy You're it. institutionalized. You are absolutely in, in in a facility that you cannot leave if you find that funny. Right. Yeah. It's just terrible. Irredeemably bad. Not funny at all. Just one of the worst things I've seen. You know? And if it wasn't for the Mimosa match, these are all, like, worst match of the year contenders. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not getting off that, that mimosa match. Is, yeah, that's going to be uh, – you, you have not. Uh, there, there's been a lot of people that have tried to have worse matches, but uh, nobody nobody can quite meet the, the mimosa match for you. So, yeah, uh, I, you know, I, and I appreciate the take because I agree that match was fucking trash. So, uh, I will tell you right now as, uh, as AEW is going on, they are building to an Abaddon-Hikaru uh, Shida match. So, we might have oh a contender. We might hey, have a contender what? before the year's out. You motherfuckers asked for it, and you're getting it. You wanted more women's matches. Yeah, you want on, more shitty women's bro. matches. You got it. Yeah. Enjoy your Abaddon. Let's use week. bad talent in big spots. Yeah, perfect. Great. Yeah, that'll, that'll... That's it. we need more of that. Yeah. <laughs> Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. All right. Uh, non-title. Raw versus SmackDown match here for ba- uh, for oh god what was the count here one sec sorry okay so well, actually I don't remember I don't know what new brand well I can well, don't I worry about say, it. I don't know what brands these people are on. <laughs> that's another problem I was gonna say well the Street Profits add one to uh don't remember so I think well I can tell you Rich they finished tied at the end of the night oh darn all right well but no one kept score like you had to do that yourself because um they didn't bother like they they put no meaningful stakes on any of this. On any of it, it's just it's it's it really is amazing. Like what? Uh, I don't know. Let's not repeat the same rants. Yeah, anyway, what do we have? Sasha, Sasha, and Asuka, um, decent. I didn't but, love this. I yeah, love I, didn't, this. I didn't. I didn't love it. I I, I thought it was going to go a little bit higher than it did, and it just kind of it ended flat, and it just never. You kept the entire match. Like it, it went about thirteen minutes or so, uh, or ten thirteen, and, and I think like yeah, the entire time I'm just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting for it to kick to the next gear, and it was just kind of over. And yeah, I just. I don't know. It it, it, it didn't. It both, you know, both these women are capable of so much better, especially against one another. And yeah, it just didn't. I don't know. It, they were just felt like they didn't feel like they were on like two different pages or that it was like sloppy or anything. It just, I don't know. It just didn't didn't click with me. They tried something a little different in this too, and it just, uh, I don't know. I didn't think it was that great. But a nice little three star match, I guess. I, but um, yeah, I, I expect better out of these two when they get in the ring. It was it was fine. 
gentlemen's three. Can you? Absolutely. What do you call it if it's women? Ladies three. Yeah, the, yeah the ladies three. I think gentle ladies three. Yeah, I like that classy. All right. I think that's uh, uh, Jerry Evans, who writes for the site. Uh, yeah, I call it uh, classy ladies three. So we'll go with that. Oh, okay. I so we'll I, I, didn't mean to, I didn't mean to steal the gimmick. Same wavelength there, then. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, classy Ladies 3. All right. Well, a match that definitely is not going to get a Classy Ladies 3. Uh, Raw versus SmackDown elimination tag match here. The women's uh, Team Raw, Lacey Evans, Lana, Nia Jax, Peyton Royce, and Shayna Baszler versus Team SmackDown, Bailey, Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, Natalia, and Ruby Riot. Oh, my God. This match. Oh, where, to, like where, this? To, where to even begin? No. No, I didn't like it at all. Really? No. Yeah, this was one of the biggest piece of shit you'll ever see. <laughs> this was, I, and and I, I don't even know where to start. So we'll start at the top with the thing that everybody kind of points out: the Lana story. Where yeah. uh, for people that did not watch this, you're welcome, <laughs> and good good for you. We'll, we'll, we watched it, so you didn't have to. Uh, essentially, yeah. uh, Lana is has backdoored her way into this team. She sucks, but we're supposed to cheer for her or something. I don't exactly know the story, but whatever. So she's a terrible pro wrestler, both in real life and in storyline. <laughs> and we're supposed to, you know, root for her uh, for uh, again for some unknown reason. So she backdoors her way into this team. Uh, she joins in. She tags in at a point in this match, and nobody wants her to tag. And everybody goes, "Oh, damn! Oh, she tagged in." And then she had like a perfectly competent like two minutes in the ring, tagged out, and then Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax yelled at her to get out of the ring and don't tag in again. So she stood on the ring steps and quivered like a nine-year-old the rest of this match. So, yeah, <laughs> it was so <laughs> bad. And when I say quiver like a nine-year-old, I mean like if if you have children, go tell them that Santa doesn't exist or whatever, or that they're not getting Christmas presents this year or whatever. And and that that she stands on the ring ropes, gets the boo boo lips, the 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 protruding bottom lip, and just yeah. like puts her hands <laughs> together. You know, in front of her and just, yeah. you know, fake cries, but not really cries. Just kind of like, yeah. you know, she, like whimpers. she's in timeout, the whimpers for the next 20 minutes or so. It's so like, a, like a scolded puppy. Yeah. And on the ring steps. Yeah. Standing there on the ring steps. I have a four-year-old who does this in the house when I take a toy away and give it to the other kid. You know, it's like, you know, whimpering. And this is what I'm talking about. Like. <laughs> All stick aside. This isn't pro wrestling. I don't no. know what this is, but it's not pro wrestling. It's just derivative bullshit. And it's like you said, why are we supposed to be rallying behind this person? The idea behind the story is she's being bullied by Nia Jax and and Shayna Baszler. So it's like you're supposed to be able to relate to this, right? But it's like this is not good pro wrestling story. This would be good for maybe a movie or a television show, which is what they what think is? that they I mean, are. But I think what would be right. better is if like the person bullied like proved that they were good. Well, if it was done well, this <laughs> right, would be the right, kind right, of story right. that you would do, right? But it, it clearly isn't being done well. It's like, yeah, why are you going to get behind her? It's like, yeah, because like you're saying, she didn't prove anything. She won on a bullshit double countout. She backed into it. And that's where they've lost their touch in terms of story. And this is why they can't get anyone over because they've lost their touch in terms of what really connects with people. Like they think people are going to think this is like a hoot and it's funny and they're going to know. It's like in pro wrestling, you're not going to get someone over like that because no one's going to believe in them. You have to be able to. Okay. If this were a territory or a promotion that was run well, do you know where this story would go? The ace baby face of the promotion 
would kick both of their asses for Lana. And, the, and, and that's where this story would be going. Like, like um, I don't even know who to use as the example here because who's the champion? The champion on Raw is Asuka. Yeah. And actually, that's kind of what they're doing because on Raw the next night, Lana faced Asuka and then the other two came down and it turned into a tag match. But they'll fuck it up. Like, the story should be that Lana's getting picked on by these two. And Asuka, because she's the you know the babyface hero, steps in and and beats up the fucking bullies because the money's in Asuka, not Lana. Lana's never going to be a star, especially being presented this way, right? And and you know, but the other problem that people are ignoring with this match is Bianca Belair should have won. Yes, like she's she's eliminating everyone, and that was great. Like in the old days, Vince would have booked this for Bianca Belair to pin all of these people and win the match, and he would have tried to make a star in one night, right? But instead, she ends up not getting over either because she loses via the double countout, and it ends up being about Lana instead of Bianca Belair. Right, it, it, should have it, been it, all it's about the classic, like, oh, we're protecting her by not having her lose, and it's like, no, but just have her win, though. It's so yes. Nobody gets over by being protected. People get over by winning. Mm-hmm. And that's just, they, they've lost yeah, that. They've, they've lost that completely. Lost yeah. That. Yeah, so they it's just like, protect, 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 protect. But it's like, it doesn't matter if you protect them. Win. Just win matches. That's the way everybody in wrestling history has gotten over is by winning matches, not by not losing. And that's the thing they've lost. They, they, they're they obsessed with people not losing and, 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 and completely lost sight of winning and how important winning is. It, it's, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I guarantee you, though, in that room, they think they got Bianca Belair over. Because she did a couple of flips and some fancy moves and looked good for a few minutes in the match. What they don't realize is they should have just finished the job. Right. Oh, and instead we're here talking about the Lana quivering and then winning by a, a double countout. As opposed to leading off with, oh my god, Bianca Belair went in there and, and, and eliminated everybody and then won the match and stood tall and all that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an easy story to tell. But yeah, they think that, oh, well, she didn't lose so we protected her and yeah, she looked good in it so it's fine. But yeah, it, it doesn't matter if the last the lasting you know, image of this match is Lana in the middle of the ring, you know, with tears running down her eyes, celebrating in the ring, you know, steps while, you know, Michael Core and Corey Graves go, what? Oh my God, what did she do? How did that happen? Oh, why? You know, it's just like, oh my God. And I'll give you another example why it's pointless to invest any of your uh, thoughts or emotions or anything into this company. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler are bullies, right? They're bullying Lana. They've been Mm -hmm. putting her through tables for nine straight weeks. Nia Jax was on the other side of a bullying storyline just like two years ago. Remember? Oh, you're right. I forgot about that. (laughs) Like she was being bullied for being fat and like, like, you know, I, who was it? Alexa bliss. That was the one. It was Alexa. Yeah. Alexa that was calling her fat and stuff. So yeah. And it's like, okay, there's no consistency here. You're just, it's, it's the mind erase thing we always talk about. And it's why over, when you watch this company long enough, you're smart enough not to invest in anything because none of it fucking matters. Nia Jax should never be on the opposite side of a bully storyline again because her whole thing was she was bullied. Like she should be the advocate for the book. But there's never any long-term connective tissue to anything they do. I mean you could forget it. That was years ago. Like if it happened two months ago, they would ignore it let alone two years ago or whenever it was. So again, why care about anything? This goes back to your point about Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins. Why care about anything they're doing now? 
because each pay-per-view cycle, they just they can press the reset button on anybody at any time. And they tell you that your investment was a waste of time. So if you're like us and you've been watching this company your whole life, you know that now. And that's why we're so cynical. And that's why we hate it. And that's why we pick on it. Because it's shit. Uh, another thing I wanted to point out about this match, and I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts were, is I saw a lot of like, oh my god, you know, yeah, there was a lot of stuff, and yeah, there was some some weird stuff, but oh my god, the work in this was incredible, and the were, were, women were busting their asses or whatever. I thought this was the most, just uh, the best, the this one of the sloppiest matches I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Everybody fucked up everything. Nobody yeah. was anywhere near anybody. Everybody's kicks missed by 10 feet. Everyone's punches missed by 15 feet. Every move felt like it was so regimented and so practiced. And it was like, I understand. It had the concept of a great wrestling match. It had the concept of a good match. But, man, was it just the most just choreographed wrestling match I think I've ever seen in my entire life in terms of every spot that happened. Just felt like it was just practiced down to the second and and just oh my god, I could not believe how many things were fucked up in this match. I'm not trying well, to pick I on. Mean, I'm not trying to pick. I mean, they were very ambitious in this match, really to the point where like fucking Lacey Evans is doing a top rope Spanish fly. You know what I mean? Like yeah. very yeah. ambitious, but I think to its detriment, where a lot of the stuff just ended up looking really, really clunky. Yeah, the Spanish fly spot looked good, but yeah, a lot of it. Well, there's a lot of shitty wrestlers in this match. I mean, Nia Jax is a terrible pro. Wrestler. She's horrendous. She's just not good at this. I, there was one. And, uh, there was one spot that I was uh, very smartly by Bianca Belair. It lets you know that she's going to be a future star. Uh, is Nia was supposed to do something to her, and Bianca just backed up and then fell out of the ring without Nia touching her. Like, just you know what? You know what? I'll take myself out of the ring. Like Nia grabbed her by her hair, and like Bianca just like went. Well, I'll just I'll just take the bump on my own. So I don't know what it was supposed to be. Maybe just she was going to toss her against the ropes, but. But Bianca was smart enough to say, you know what? I'll just I'll just roll out of my own. <laughs> no problem. I'll just I can I mean this. in a place where they can identify stars and they know how to make them and they still do a good job of job of that, I would say Bianca yeah. Blair is gonna be a big star. I mean she should be, but do you have any confidence she God, will no. be? God no. I have none. I have zero. I mean, she should be being pushed right now. And their idea of a push is just like you're saying, don't lose. You know, trade wins. That's their idea of a push. Protect everyone so that no one gets over. So I have no confidence that she'll become a star. She should be, but she probably won't. Or they'll present her as a star, and you know she'll be on top of Raw when it's doing 1.4 million viewers, and she won't really be a star. Then we get to our main event here, non-title, Raw versus SmackDown. Roman Reigns, the head of the table, Versus Drew McIntyre, the guy who has a sword. I love how now in Drew McIntyre's music, I hope you notice this. Ching, ching, ching. You hear the sound of a sword being sharpened. Yeah, yeah. His magic music goes on. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Just let you know that this man has a sword. And if you don't know that, here's a sword noise to inform you that this man has a sword. Well, it's like it's like ricochet. You hear a bullet bouncing off walls. Now <laughs> right, in case you didn't know what ricochet meant or what it is, right. here's, here's literally the noise of a ricochet. So you know that ricochet is going to happen. Yes, we got Chewbacca goes on, ching ching ching, and then yeah, the bagpipes, and then you know, <laughs> then he sticks his magic sword into the his magic fireball summoning sword into the stage um, <laughs> to make him come off like a complete cornball. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I watched this match because I was watching football and I was watching this match unfold. Um, 
you know, on Twitter as I was watching the game and the timeline was very split. There were people calling this a match of the year. There were people calling this just, you know, you know, shit. There were people who were calling it a match of the year, but then hated the finish and then decided it was shit. Um, so it was all over the place. And I was real curious to watch this because these are two guys, I think. Now, look, didn't they have a terrible WrestleMania match? A they did. Years yeah, ago? that was kind of funny when in the buildup there, you know, people are thinking, oh, my God, it's Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. This is a big time match. And it's like, yeah, they had a match like two years ago. <laughs> it was fucking terrible. So fucking stop. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was Roman's like return or whatever. But yeah, it was fucking garbage. So, yeah. So but but outside of that, these are two guys where I'm like, all right, I, you know, I might like this when I watch it later. And then I watched it. And I don't know, man, I was bored to tears watching this match. I thought it was boring. I thought there was just nothing happening. Um, the big spot in the match was supposed to be the table spot, and the table didn't break, so they had to do it twice. So they both looked like absolute geeks when they had to redo the table spot. Um, and then it was, you know, you had the shitty fucking heel finish. But look, it's like you got to protect everybody, right? Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. just have you can't just have Roman beat them for whatever reason, and you can't you're you're not going to beat Roman now, which you shouldn't. You should not beat Roman. No, 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 no. He needs to win every match he has for a long time, and just win him. Just fucking win the match. Who cares? Yeah, but you they didn't want to beat Drew either. So instead of I don't know, not booking the match, <laughs> you book this shit. It's fucking fake. You can do whatever you want. Okay, you do this bullshit finish, and then it's like, so I don't know. I I mean. I, I just thought it was a match. And then you have people saying, like, oh, this was a Haas fight of the highest order. It was fucking great. This was five stars. This was four and a half stars. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I didn't see it that way. And, it, and, and what I want to ask you, because I have no idea what you thought of this. You have yet to give an opinion that I've seen on this match. Am I just being cynical because I'm so disconnected from this company? Was this some kind of great Haas fight? And am I the one that's that's out to lunch? What did you think of this? So here, here's here's the best way I can kind of put it. Is in their minds and in the structure of what a good WWE pro wrestling main event should be, this match was good. It had every single characteristic that you have from every one of your big time. A match that they, they, they in their minds think, this is a good match. This is a great match. This is a great main event. We're going to have a bunch of kickouts. Uh, guys are going to make shock faces when guys kick out. Somebody's going to get put through a table. Someone's going to get put through the barricade. It had all, I mean, the fucking bingo card was filled with this match. Because it was exactly every, every note they like to play for a good main event match, they hit. And I guess if this is the first WWE main event you've ever seen in your life, you might think this is really good. It had all the, you know, they tried to make it seem like a good match. But, you know, ultimately I'm watching this and it's just the same shit I've seen time and time and time and time again. And it it was, you know, big kickouts, tables, barricade spot, shocked faces, heel finish, yada, yada. And, and like, no, again, I see why some people thought this was good, but I didn't because it's like, no, I've seen this same style of match done 80 times by this company in the last, you know, few years and done hundreds of times across the world. It's like, no, this stuff is not, I need a little bit more than this. I need a little bit more than guys kicking out and guys going through barricades. Like that shit's not going to work for me anymore because I just saw that two months ago and I just saw it last month. And I see it the month before that. It's just the same shit. So yeah, it, like in their mind and in, I guess in terms of like people who, you know, really, really, really like this company, it had all the structure of, of a good WWE main event. It had all the build of a good WWE main event. It had every little, like I said, every bingo card slot you could possibly fill was filled, but 
ultimately that shit doesn't work for me because I've seen it a thousand times. So no, I I thought it was like fine, but no, we're near like a hoss battle or a, a, a great match on any level whatsoever. It was just it was fine. It existed. I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it. Did any of these people watch Walter and Ilya Dragunov a couple weeks ago? Yeah, that's a fucking fight. I mean, is this even in the same fucking universe as Walter and Ilya Dragunov? And that's from the same company. You can sit here and tell us WWE bias and everything else. Same company. This wasn't even in the same stratosphere. Like, it's insulting to me if anyone would say that these two matches were anywhere near each other in, in terms of quality. I mean, that was a Haas fight to me, or, you know, much closer to what you would call I don't even think that was a Haas fight necessarily. That was something different too. But I don't know. Roman, he's, like, working like Randy Orton now. Like, his heel style is slow it down. And, you know, the typical WWE heel, the way the heels work in that company, the way that they've worked in that company for decades. And the work was good, and my initial reaction was, this is an average-ass two-and-a-half-star match, which that I think I was a little too harsh. Yeah, it was better better than that, but... I watched it again, and I was like, eh, it's more like a three-star match. So I bumped it up. And, you know, I look on Grapple, and it's at 3.6. Yep. (laughs) Which is, like, pretty fair. I mean, all right, I get it. Maybe some people liked it a little better than me, but it's like, you know, I I don't know. I, I, I thought this match was wildly overrated in real time by the people watching it. But at the same time, there were a lot of people watching it who were like, Oh man, that was just a nothing match. So, um, I don't know. Maybe it's just divisive or something. I, I, but man, that's the kind of match where I would never, I'll never think about that match. again. No. Oh my God. Never. I've seen, I've seen that match a hundred times. That, that that exact same structure match. I, I am positive. If I, if I committed myself, God forbid God forbid what would happen in my life that would force me to do this. If I committed myself to watching WWE pay-per-view main events from the last five years and I I, I track every big spot and when the mat you know, when it happened and the sequence of the spots or whatever, I am positive I could find an exact match to this match. An exact one hundred percent this kick out, this move, this move, barricade, table, yada yada yada, like all all to the exact beats that this match was. I am positive I could find that. And that's, you know, to me, to, if you're a first-time viewer, that's fine. Like, if you've never seen this before, if this is the first time you've ever watched a WWE pay-per-view, if you don't remember this shit, then, okay, maybe you thought, oh, this is really good, or, oh, wow, this is really, this was a high-stakes, big, important match, because they did all these high-stakes, big, important spots. But again, if you've watched any WWE pay-per-view for the last five years, I feel like you've seen all these spots before. I think you've seen this sequence before, so I don't know. Yeah, I was, I was kind of perplexed when I saw a lot of people putting it over as this, like, you know, instant classic, and I'm like, bro, you will never. I am... 100% positive when match of the year comes, this thing won't get a single vote. And if it does, it gets one 10 place vote at, at most, at most. Now this, look, we've done this poll for what? Eight years or something. This is the kind of match that gets like seven points and finishes like just outside of sadness village. You know, they'll, it'll get some support. Yeah. It's not going to get any top five support. No, God, no. I do I do love when like a match like this happens and people say, oh, that's a low-key match of the year contender, and then it gets like two points. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, this is not a match of the year contender. I mean, you know, and, and um, I don't know. I would concede if it seemed like, you know, if the grapple average was like 4.8, I'd have to say, all right, 
You're, yeah, you're. I am the outlier. I guess I don't like this match, but everybody else. When does. have I been shy about saying, you know what? I'm the outlier. I, I always come on this show and say, okay, I was the outlier. I'm the dick. I'm the asshole for whatever reason. I didn't like this, but this was not that. I mean, people, in you know, I think I just got wrapped up in maybe a few scant opinions. And the other thing is when I put my opinion out and everybody shits on it, and then I'm like, you know how I get. Then I get vengeful at that point. But I mean, maybe the two and a half was a little harsh. You know, but the next day I did adjust it up a little. I mean, after I wa- I watched this fucking thing twice, Rich. Yeah, Imagine I don't. That. Yeah, you know, it's because uh, <laughs> I, I was trying to be fair. I know I got to come on here and do audio. So it's like, eh, I, you know, I'll, I'll give it another chance, you know, but um, I, I don't know. I'm, I, you seem to be on the same page as me in terms of that match. It's a match I'll never think about again. It's a match I've seen a hundred times. It was like it wasn't particularly stiff. Like, wh- where's this idea that this was some kind of great Haas fight? Did you notice that they were stiff or laying no, it I in? Really, I really didn't. So I don't, I don't, maybe I, I'm not going to watch the match again like you did, but I guess I, I guess I missed that because, yeah, I, I definitely did not uh, at any point shades, sense that. Were you getting shades of Stan Hansen here? No. Uh, you know, were you thinking about Vader when you were watching <laughs> right. this match? I mean, I know I wasn't, and I'm not trying to be a dick. Like, I just, I don't, do people know what a Haas fight is? Could that be the issue? I mean, did this feel like Walter to you in any you know way, shape, or form, or you know, name whoever you want to name? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't close my eyes and think I was watching Doctor Death, you know, in, in his prime here. Um, was this Sheamus at his best, like caving people's chests in? I mean, I didn't. You know, whoever you want to pick. I mean, I, I, I just, I don't see this as a hoss fight. But uh, anyway. Uh, we should probably move on. There's a lot more to talk about. Let's do this Undertaker thing, right? <sighs> All right. So Taker's final farewell. Um, Joe, I've never done acid or any, like, hallucinogenic drugs. But I gotta imagine this is about what it's like. Because this was the most bizarre, weird, what am I doing with my life? Who, like, explaining this to somebody if they walked into the room. This Taker's final farewell. It was so weird. And it, it is, it is, it, I don't even know how to explain it. If, if somebody told me, hey, explain how Taker's final farewell went, what, what that was and, and, and what the second, it is so weird. So it starts out with a, 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 a very. I, 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 would know, I would know. Because uh, like Ryan Satin said, this was the greatest send off. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with that guy? Is there something wrong with him? Well, Joe, when you, when you rank it among the other uh, final send-offs in, uh, in, that, in, in WWE history. Um, what the fuck is he comparing it to? When have they ever done anything like this? Never. Well, Dean Ambrose got about nine of them. He got nine so, of them, yeah. And, and this was better than the Dean Ambrose ones, I will say that. Who else has gotten something like this? What's he comparing it to? I have no clue. I have no idea. Just saying words to get likes is, is pretty much the Ryan Zedden uh, approach there. I, I have no fucking clue. Um... What's he talking about? I mean, what I guess if comparing? you compare, like, and the other thing too is it's it's absolute lunacy if you compare it to like, you know, Shawn Michaels' final match is is that Undertaker match, where he tries like hell and 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 you know he's trying to beat the Undertaker to to, to prove his life, and Undertaker just says you know just lay down, just stop, and Michaels won't, and then finally Taker has to beat him and pin him in the middle of WrestleMania one two three, and it's over, and Shawn Michaels, before Saudi money, never wrestles ever again. Like that's a pretty cool send off. <laughs> like that's probably better. It is. Than- but this, but th- that's my other point. Everyone always comes back. These aren't send-offs. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's like, I'm, I'm dead serious when I say, 
give me three more send-offs they've ever done. I, I can't <laughs> even think of any. Like, I, you know, so what's he comparing it to? Like Bobby you're saying, Heenan being thrown out the back door of, of an episode of Raw. That was a send-off. The Manhattan Center, there's a, there's one. And it fit his character, and it fit his dynamic with Gorilla. I hated that in real – I hated that. I thought it was disrespectful. I, I was mad as a Bobby Heenan fan. But years later, you're like, ah, eh, it all made sense. You know what I mean? Because it's like that's how Gorilla would get rid of Bobby Heenan, right? But it's like they don't do – like Ric Flair, he came back a million times. He came back a month ago. Like they don't do send up. They haven't done anything. Like what? But you're saying it's just words to say words on a daft fucking Fox Sports WWE account that mouth breathers are the only people who read that shit. So I guess it's just it's just words. Like you're saying, like it doesn't mean anything. It's, yeah, it's empty. words to get likes, and yeah, it's just words. It's just words to say words. So I mean, he wrote an article of the Undertaker's best matches, and he had to crowdsource it because he didn't know any. So that's what that's the level we're dealing with here. Like he had the, he 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 farmed Twitter. He goes, "Hey guys, help me out with this. I'm looking for some of Undertaker's best matches. Give me some suggestions." And I'm like, "This fucker's writing an article, and he can't think of any himself." Twelve hours later, he's got an article out: the Undertaker's best matches in WWE history. So that's what we're dealing with here. Um, I don't know. Am I being too rough on the satin sheet? Yeah, I mean, that's all right. Is that a isn't he fair game? He's got a high profile yeah, fucking. Yeah, this week especially, I think he's fair game. So yeah, no, I, I got no worries. So I don't. I just it, it bothered me. But anyway, um, continue on with your acid trip here. Yeah. So I, I, again, I've never done acid. I've never done LSD. I never, but I, I kind of imagine it's similar to this. So it starts off with a, 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 a barely <laughs> like a comatose Vince McMahon who sounds like he's literally on death's door, <laughs> getting in the ring. And talking about, oh, after 30 years, The Undertaker. It's like, my God, the, the voice yeah. of Vince McMahon. But when he needed to, when he needed to get into Vince McMahon, he, got, he went, The Undertaker. So he got it. I was glad we got yeah. that. But my God, does that man look like he could die at any moment. So um, he looks terrible, doesn't he? I mean, he's an I old mean, man. He's an old man who doesn't sleep. So I get it. But God. He's, push, he's pushing 80. I don't think he looks... I don't think he looks awful for a guy pushing 80. The thing about it is when you go f- larger and larger amounts of time in between seeing him. I think that's it. I think, yeah, if it, we saw him every week, I would just say, ah, whatever. But, yeah, it's like every six months you see him and it's just like, oh, my God. He's just like, yeah, it, it, he's got, like, weird eyebrows. His face changes yeah. a lot. And it's yeah, it's kind of off the rails. So He's fucking almost 80 years old. Yeah, I, I mean, guess he, I guess he looks okay for an 80-year-old. So His face is going to thin out and he's going to lose. He's going to stop working out if he at some point if he hasn't already. That's not he can't, true. I don't think that's possible. I don't think he could keep hitting the weights. You know, getting, <laughs> I mean, Bruno's did, I guess. I guess Bruno kept lifting weights till the end. But, I mean, you know, and he's fucking old. And he's been pumped with steroids for the last 40 years. And he's just, he's, and he lives a hard life. He doesn't sleep. Yeah, he sleeps three hours a day and eats steak wraps every day. So, I mean, yeah. It's, it's... Constantly traveling. And um, so, yeah, he fucking looks bad. I would expect him to look bad. But yeah, it's uh, it was you know it's it's more shocking every time when when he comes out. So he 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 says, "Here's the Undertaker," and he says, uh, "You know," and then uh, they play a little video here, and then then we get a parade of old men coming out. Uh, <laughs> this is so weird. <clears throat> what a, oh my god, this is the weirdest thing ever. What the fuck is this? So we get a parade of old men coming out, and their music plays, 
and then they come out and then Michael Cole just re- recites Wikipedia entry level things. Oh, well, JBL faced the Undertaker at Unforgiven 2002. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, ding, 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 ding. JBL comes out and then the Godwins come out and then the Godfather and just this parade of old white men just <laughs> come out with the lone exception of Godfather. Just come out and, and they don't do anything. They just come out and then they go away, I think. Well, they're the guys he wanted there, I guess. I guess, you know? yeah. The Jeff Hardy, Mick Foley. He had like one match with Jeff Hardy, by the way. <laughs> right, right, right. But it's his send-off. It's whoever he wants out there, <laughs> sure. I guess. And could you tell the Godwins apart? I could not. I Actually, they came out and I paused it and I said, all right. I had <laughs> yeah. no idea. I have no clue. No idea who was who was, no. who was was old Henry O and who was Phineas I. I, I could not tell you. So, Yeah. Um, is there like – I know it's pointless to break this down, but is there <laughs> – is is the Godfather a bottom five WWE Hall of Famer? Uh oh, for sure, absolutely. He's he was never good, never good. He had a memorable gimmick, I guess, but he like never got pushed. Um, the gimmick just, lasted like a year and a half, basically. Well, I guess they re, they they went back to it. I forgot that after the Good Father run, they went back to it. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, pretty much never in his life ever had a, a, anything resembling a good or even a decent match ever so um no. and was never pushed above like the semi mid card like i think ic title was about his peak and that even then was like laughable at that point so yeah like he's definitely a bottom 5 wwe hall of famer no doubt about it um yeah but yeah so you get your parade of fucking guys that come out yeah well michael cole it. says you know the godfather a member of undertaker's bd king bd king backstage and he participated in him as papa shango all right all right kevin nash wrestlemania 12 i got that yeah. it was just it was really really bad and then <sighs> and the acid trip to end all acid trips a bunch of lightning in the thunderdome and then the Undertaker, this old decrepit man, comes out in leather and MMA gloves as fake crowd noise is pumped in. <laughs> and yeah. then fake crowd noise says, Thank you, Taker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you, Taker. <laughs> yeah. And then a hologram of Paul Bear appears. Yeah. As smoke yeah. fills the ring. And then this old man just has to rotate in the ring for like 10 minutes. Just never ending as as the crowd <laughs> the entire time. Yeah, yeah. Is what is going on? I mean, look, all all kidding aside, and how weird and fucking embarrassing this was, and everything else. Shouldn't they have just waited till crowds? Yes. Oh my god. Yes. What are you doing? I mean, I don't. I'm not. A, I was never an Undertaker fan. I don't care about the Undertaker. This meant nothing to me. You I can get twenty thousand people to care about the Undertaker in an arena, right? But what I'm saying is I'm being fair here. Even though I didn't give a shit about this and I've never given a shit about him and I, I'm i not a fan of his and I don't care that he's never going to wrestle again. None of that. I have zero emotional connection to this whatsoever. Didn't think it was a great moment. None of that. With all of that said, there are a lot of Undertaker fans and he means a lot to a lot of fans. Couldn't they have just have blown up? Why, why just for this one time they had to do it on I the shoot no and they couldn't wait until there were fans around to really make this a great moment. What the fuck was the rush to do this now? And and on top of that, draw zero money with it. You could have filled a fucking building on this alone, like you just said. Why not wait a year? You know what I mean? And just make up an anniversary. They do that shit all the time. 
I, I don't get it. I don't understand. This was embarrassing. It was, yeah. And this is where I said it was like just embarrassing to be a pro wrestling fan. As you're watching this yeah. decrepit old man in leather just like rotate in the ring back and forth as like lightning bolts shoot through the Thunderdome and the fa- the fake fans pipes in chance. Thank you, yeah. Taker. It's so yeah. weird. What is yeah. this? This is when I was just like, what the fuck am I watching? Like, what am I doing with my life? Why did I choose this? Like, there has to be something better. Thankfully, I watched Noah after this, which helped, uh, you know, get me back and, in, 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 you know, grounded in, 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 in reality. And then, you know, Taker grabs the mic and goes, for 30 years, I buried people, and now they've not arrested peace, and now I must rest in peace. And then, you know, he gets on his knee, and more lightning bolts, and more smoke, and more bullshit, and then finally he he leaves, and then it goes to black, and Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I mean, if, if, if you were a big Undertaker fan, wouldn't you be annoyed by this? Just to some be, it's so embarrassing. I just felt terrible for the guy. Yeah. He's in this empty ring, just rotating, just like walking around for 10 minutes while, you know, fake crowd noise that he probably can't even hear is just billowing through the. Like, imagine how weird it was in the building, like if you were actually there. Oh, God. You know, yeah. it's so awkward and so weird. And you know they were all waiting for him behind the curtain, like, to all fucking bow at his altar. Right, and right, right. And, hug him. and it's like, this was fucking weird, man. This was dystopian shit. You're doing it in front of fucking monitors with faces on them. And who knows if those are even people watching for real because there's rumors that they're just replaying the same people from other Thunderdomes. And it's just piped in noise. It's just fucking weird. Yeah, it's so strange. It, it is. It is something beyond comprehension at this point that I, I i can't even tell you what this thing is anymore so. well it was great to send off in w <laughs> well, of course yeah you know add to the lineage of other great send-offs that WWE has ever done so um the tesla coils and uh, the hologram <laughs> <laughs> tesla coils <laughs> what the fuck is this guy talking about uh god <laughs> So I, I saw somebody sent me a tweet because now people like people troll me by sending me like terrible Reddit uh, threads and terrible tweets or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's like a few buzzwords that those people send. And, and, and this one uh, that got sent to me was like, oh, nice, subtle way to include Paul Bear in The Undertaker's Final Farewell. I was like, yeah. what subtlety? <laughs> it's a giant hologram. And as the hologram went off, I went, oh, yes. It was like the least subtle thing ever. It's like, there's Paul Bear. He's dead, so he can't be here. So here's a fucking hologram of Paul Bear, his ex-manager. Like, it wasn't subtle. Do you not know what subtle means? No. When, they, when, no. when, the, 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 when the speakers blast that man's you know, catchphrase, and you see yeah. that man, and the Undertaker kneels in front of him, and they go, oh, that's Paul Bear, Undertaker's ex-manager. It's not subtle. Like, right, 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 right. Yeah. No. Like, subtle would have been maybe the urn in one of the corners or something. It, it, yeah, there, there's nothing subtle, but this was like... Dorks. These fucking weirdos. These institutionalized weirdos. What are you doing? Well, you know, I don't, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. But they could have done all of this in front of a crowd that would have come off, like, good. A thousand times better. Yeah, for sure. Like, people but would it, have actually been happy to see the Godwins and, and Kevin Nash and, and whatever and, and, and actually give him a cheer... And actually root for it. Like, yeah, the, the way they chose to do it was the, just the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I, I'm surprised that they would do that to The Undertaker. Have him do this in front of the no fan. It's just so bizarre. But he'll do the Hall of Fame, you know, one of these years. Right, that'll be that moment. I guess you can do that. And I guess you can, you know, for $1,000, you can get even more Undertaker send-offs. So. <laughs> 
That's right. Yes. <laughs> oh, God, the fucking cameos. He scooped you oh, on the cameos. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> You've been trying to get on the cameos for a long time, and they won't. I know. They won't put me on the cameo. I'll talk about all elite Scooby-Doo all day on the cameos. <laughs> no problem with that. I just love the gall of that company to tell all their fucking superstars, hey, you can't, you can't do cameo, guys. You got to get off cameo. <laughs> they all get off. And then the same week they all get off, they let the fucking Undertaker go on cameo and charge $1,000. Yeah. I love it. This is great. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's chef's it's kiss. Just such, it's just perfect. Such a slap in the face to everybody, you know? So, hey, you, you bottom feeders uh, that are trying to, you know, make, you know, 50 bucks here and there. Fuck you. Undertaker, yeah, I'm sure you charge $1,000. Go ahead, bud. 20 but. grand. 20 grand. <laughs> didn't the money go to something, though? Like, people are going to get mad at us. Didn't it go to Oh, did it? Charity? Oh, I don't know if it did, actually. Oh, did it? Okay. I don't think he's pocketing the 20 oh, Okay, grand. all right. Well, I, I feel bad now, so. I, I'm not. I'm not positive, but I think there's some kind of something attached to that. But uh, anyway, we got to do Noah. Let's do it. Yeah, let's let's get the before, review away. Before we do Noah, this is the first time ever that we've done this live. I have to piss. I cannot hold. Okay, on. So, feel free. Go ahead. Uh, I will. Uh... <laughs> you Ten dollars subscribers. You're hearing something no one else. This will is hear. yeah. We usually try to uh, uh, get yeah. in there pretty creatively, but there you go. Right. Anyway, um, hey, <laughs> how's it going, guys? How are you? This is bad because I also have to pee, but I'm not going to leave now. So I'm going to have to find a time uh, creatively uh, to jump in on this Noah 20th anniversary to uh, uh, pee myself. But uh, not pee myself, but go go to the bathroom myself. Anyway, um, this is a good opportunity, great opportunity, now that Joe's gone here, uh, to mention this little plugaroo uh, here. If you are going to do your shopping this year, if you're going to do any your Christmas or holiday shopping on Amazon, VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Amazon. I, I, I would really appreciate uh, if you can use that link. Nothing will change about your shopping. Exactly the same prices. Exactly the same checkout. Nothing. Oh, nothing. Not one thing will change about your Amazon experience. But uh, a small percentage of every sale uh, will go back to us. And it is important. Uh, those percentages do add up. And I'd make it a little bit easier for us to uh, pay for hosting and pay for some other stuff. Uh, on the website as well, and then Joe can you know maybe get that 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 garage uh, refrigerator he's been looking for so much. So uh, anyway, yeah, we do appreciate it. Again, if you are going to uh, shop on Amazon this year uh, for any of your holiday shopping, voicesofwrestling.com uh, slash Amazon, we would really uh, really appreciate it. So I will not know when Joe is back on, so I'll just keep talking and hope that uh, eventually when he does come back, he'll just shout something and and, and we'll know that he's back. So. Um, did you work an ad into my I did work an ad into it. Yeah, I was thinking, what the hell am I going to talk about? And I said, yeah, fuck it. Let me talk about voicewrestling.com slash Amazon. So, uh, yeah, you know, with the Christmas season starting, Black Friday coming up, yeah, why not? Make some money. You'd be you'd be proud of me. I, I thought you'd be proud of me, but here it turns out you're not. So No, I, that's, I just said good job out of you. <laughs> I'm trying to make what some money. What else could that possibly mean? Good job out of you, I said. <laughs> Jeez. Um, yeah, so. I did say one of the unfortunate things is I also have to pee, so I'm going to have to figure out a way to uh, – uh, I'll do it during the uh, the Noah. Or I might just hold it. What, what, how much longer have we got here? Let's see. About a half hour or so. <sighs> Looks like it's actually 50 minutes. Fuck. 40 minutes. It's not. What time did we start? Uh, no, it's just 2.20. 2.20 is our, our, our stream time right now. Oh. Well, well you started an hour late. You started an hour late, pal. So that's that's what we have. So It could be whatever we want it to be, you know. <laughs> that's true. Anyway, <laughs> let's get to this Noah 20th anniversary show. I need yeah. to cleanse my my, my system. Uh, with WWE. So this is Noah's 20th anniversary show, Noah the Chronicle, Volume 4. Uh, which, you watched... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Which, by the way, bad job out of us not previewing this show. We yeah, that's 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 on me. That's on you. That's on all of us. Yeah, we should have definitely... 
definitely, definitely should have previewed this show last week, which we did not. So huge show. Uh, I apologize. Apologize for that. But uh, I watched the final three matches uh, of the night. I believe you watched the entire show as well. I am going to hopefully go back and watch all of it uh, if I can. Well, I guess I'll get your recommendations and some of the other matches uh, that happened. But the final three matches, all really, really awesome matches. I cannot wait to talk about all awesome in their own right and all for uh, maybe different reasons uh, as well. But uh, you watched the entire show, correct? Yes. And uh, what what you know what what can you give me? Maybe do you want to quickly go over the undercard and then we can talk about the the, the big money matches? Yeah, I mean there's not going to be any recommendations. I thought the undercard wasn't very good at all. Um in fact, I only thought there were two and a half matches on this entire show that were worth watching, but the those two and a half matches uh were really awesome. So, uh quickly go through the undercard. We had Hajime Ohara, Saiki Yoshioka, uh, Yoshioka and Yohei that's uh, full throttle along with Muhammad Yone versus uh, they beat Junta Miyawaki, Kenya Okada, uh, Yasutaka Yano, and Yoshiki Inamura. Typical eight man opener here. Uh, Muhammad Yone, I just, you know, I, I say this every time. I just marvel. He's been a pro wrestler for um, uh, such a long time now, and he's, he's just had such a solid career. I mean, he's the kind of guy that you just, you know, one of the guys who's just a glue guy on a roster. He's been with Noah forever. He's in his mid forties. Um, you know, it, it, his career goes all the way back to to like battle arts. In the, yeah, in, in he the debuted 90. in nineteen ninety five, August eighteenth, nineteen ninety five, and he's still like fine. You know what I mean? Like it's pretty damn remarkable. Yeah, he was like a shooter, you know, in those days, and you know, and he's had this. He's he transformed his career, and um, any pro wrestler in a dojo right now would sign up for this guy's career in a second. I mean, you know, he, with the longevity and everything else. Um, but he rarely ever gets pushed, you know, and it's just one of those weird things. It's like, but he's a guy that whenever, whatever they have ever asked of him throughout the history of this company, he has done it and done it well, whether that's a little tag team title run or at times when he has led heel stables for brief periods of time and got little pushes and or whether he's working openers like this and just being an entertaining baby face in an opener. It's just, you know, I have a lot of respect for wrestlers like this. You know, it's, 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 it takes all kinds to make up a roster and it's okay if you're not like a, a top guy, you know? So I really respect his career. Kajimi O'Hara is a guy that they just, no Sauron guy cannot figure out what to do. With yeah. Him. I'm always surprised when I see him and, and, and like you, you said his name there. And I'm like, motherfucker, why is he just like, not doing anything. He's just in, he's in the opener. Like you can't find anything for this guy to do. I mean, I, I think we both respect Nosawa's booking this year. I think he's someone I'll consider for Booker of the Year for sure. He really um, one of his warts and one of his uh, he just doesn't know what to do with the juniors overall. It's just very uh, uh, scattered and sporadic, and uh, those aren't the words I'm looking for. Just uh, uh, disjointed booking with the juniors in general, with everybody jumping factions every other show and. A guy like O'Hara who just – he either doesn't like him or just can't figure out what to do with him because he just – ever since that guy took over the book. Yeah, almost the immediately. Like, it was like the, the week that he took over. It's like immediately he was just like fucking kicked down to the, the, the bottom of the car and he never, never climbed up either. Yeah, so uh, just your basic opener. Uh, next match was Katero, Suzuki, and X taking on the Congo team of Heo and Tadasuke. Um X turned out to be Savalhe de Oriente because, of course, it did. No one knew who the fuck this man was. He came out in a mask, and um, people were like, well, who the fuck is this guy? 
And I had it written down in my notes because someone did incredible research and finally figured it out. I was thinking it was either Andy Wu or one of these, uh, you know, Wrestle One guys who have kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. But it turns out it wasn't. It was a wrestler from Freedoms. And I'm trying to find it because a Japanese Twitter user matched up a lot of details to show that it was this wrestler from Freedoms. And I'm looking for the tweet. I'm trying to find it because I can't. Yeah, I'll see. I'll see if I can find it as well. I remember. I remember reading it, but now, yeah, I, I can't seem to find it right now. So I, I know Eastern Lariat. Um, I retweeted it. it yeah, so I'm going through their feed right now. Yeah, it was something about a birthmark that they found. They're like, oh, like look yeah, at this yeah. birthmark, and it's like, holy shit! Like that's incredible awesome. work by yeah. this by this Japanese Twitter user. Oh, I must have passed it because I'm like in. I should have just ran a search on Eastern Lariat's feed. For, oh, here we go. Uh, this user identified Savalhe de Oriente as Freedom's Yuya Susumu, based on using the same finishing maneuver and a very nice detail. Savalhe and Susumu have the same black birthmark on their backs. <laughs> How about wild. that? That's insane. I love and it. And then it goes, it goes on to say, uh, Yuya Susumu working for Noah makes perfect sense as he completes the trio of WrestleGate students of uh, him, Hayata, and Seiki Yoshioka. So it makes sense because he already has connections in the company. And uh, Susumu has also worked under a mask in the past as Dragon Joker in Tenru Project. So a lot of clues there. Tremendous job by this Japanese Twitter user uh, at NapponXXX who uh, did this detective work and Eastern Lariat for uh, signal boosting their detective work. So uh, look, guy got a push right out of a gate. So it looks like they're bringing this guy in and he's going to be part of the roster and we'll see what happens. He looked like shit. This was not a good debut. <laughs> this new wrestler. No, it was sloppy. Uh, wasn't good. So then we had um, the friends of wrong guy. And there were a lot of them on this show. Kazuyuki Fujita, Kendo Kashin, and Nasawa Rangai, and they defeated Manabu Soya, Masakitamiya, and Neo. Six-man match. Basically just Rangai and his old pals against three guys who, uh, you know, were just thrown on the card who weren't really involved in programs right now. And, of course, the veterans win the match. And it was, you know, shit. It's yeah, what it I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> I definitely have no interest uh, in watching that match whatsoever, so... You know, he brings in his old, you know, his old friends and, you know, Fujita, I'm not even sure he took a bump. And Kendo Kashin has been shit for a number of years and there's just nothing to see here. 20, 20 in fact. <laughs> 20 and counting for uh, Kendo Kashin, so congratulations. Yeah, it was just, it was just junk. Um, then we had Keiji Muto, who is on a hot winning streak at the end <laughs> Yeah, what of... is happening? Okay, because I did not watch this match and I, I, I'm looking at the tweets and I'm looking at the results and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This guy won? <laughs> like, and he's... Is he he's like getting a title shot? What you got you have to clue me on what the hell's going on here. Okay, so he's fifty seven years old. And I don't if you're surprised that he beat Tanaguchi, which I wasn't, I figured he was gonna beat Tanaguchi. This dude beat Kiyomiya a couple of months That's ago. That's what I mean. I'm just so surprised that he so, keeps winning. And and I like that match. I thought it was actually a, a pretty great match. This match was fucking terrible. I mean, this was this was bad. Um uh, I'm looking at cage match now, and the inmates have it at 5.67, which works out, what, to like 2.8 or something like mm-hmm. that? Yeah, yeah, somewhere in that range. I don't even think it was that good. Um, I, actually, I could give you my grapple rating in a minute if you let me pull it up, but um, I probably had, I probably gave this like one star. I thought it was awful. Um, and I thought, okay, 
He beat Kiyomiya a few months ago. So I see what's happening here. Kiyomiya is going to win the national title tonight. And then Muto is going to come out and say, I want a shot at that. And now the booking's all going to make sense, right? Like that would be logical. And Taniguchi, you can beat him because who gives a fuck, right? You're never pushing him. So that's what I figured they were doing. But obviously, as you know, that's definitely not what they're doing. And he's going for the big belt. So, because Kiyomiya lost. And now, you know, he's cutting promos saying he's going for the big belt. So, yes. In 2021, <laughs> 58-year-old Keiji Muto is I think going to challenge. 107 knee surgeries and eight, you know, fused hips later. Keiji Muto going for the big I mean, belt. <laughs> That's... I guess they think it could draw. I don't. All right. Cool. I don't know what else to add. I mean, okay, that's fine. I thought Kiyomiya would win the national title and then get his win back sure. against Muto. Right. And then I would say, wrong guy, you've done it again. Right? Clever booking. Now the now beating this young kid makes sense because he's going to beat Muto in the rematch. But no, it's not what they're doing. Anyway, business end of the card. We had Hayata and Yoshinari Ogawa. And uh, that's uh, Stinger, of course. And they win the GAC Junior Tag Team titles as they defeat uh, Katoge and Harada, who have recently been put back together. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, didn't we? Putting those guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. We talked about how, yeah. It, it, like, and, and that whole, I mean, th- those guys just bounce back. I mean, that when you talk about like the, the just weird, like just no rhyme or reason to what's going on in the juniors. Like this is a big part of it too. Like guys turning on each other so often that you, you fucking have yeah. no clue who's with who. You know what? You've. You forget who's with who, and yeah, then they yeah. brawls break out, and you're like, "I, you can't even make sense of it." But the one constant, okay, is Stinger fucking rules and Ogawa rules. And Rich, I have to tell you, I watched this whole show live. At this point in the show, Ogawa was the best worker on this show, and it wasn't even close. He was so good in this match, and this wasn't even a great match. I thought this was a very average match. In fact. I thought Hayata looked like shit, which he usually does. Uh, Hayata and Yohei just, they aren't very good. Um, Katoge and Harada looked okay. And, you know, there's some, uh, um, there's some, um, I guess, uh, value in seeing those two guys come back together as a team. Remember, they had that hot run in 2015, 2016, whatever it was. But Ogawa blew everybody away in this match. He blew everybody else away on the show to this point. And, Rich, he's 54 years old, Yoshinari Ogawa. He's having a great year. He's easily one of the 20 best wrestlers in the world in 2020. I mean, because he's been in the mix and he's getting pushed for once. Because remember, a lot of times they don't push him. And he's just an opening match guy. He has not lost a step. He doesn't age. I mean, I'm going to give you some. He started his career in all Japan in 1985. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. Okay. He's wrestled longer than I've been alive. Yeah. Just to give you context there. Rich, Siyoshi Kikuchi, who, who, you know, all Japan undercard guy, very good worker. At this point in his career, he still wrestles, but he's like old and washed up and like, you know, he's, he can't. He started his career two years after Ogawa. <laughs> That's not. Isn't that crazy? That's like, insane, you were, yeah. like, this guy has been in Noah 
since for for 20 years, Ogawa, okay? He's been in Noah from day one, and he's been in Noah for 20 years. And that comes after a 16-year career in All Japan. He was in All Japan for 16 years. Now he's been in Noah for 20 years. He's been wrestling for 36 years. He's 54 years old, and he is one of the 20 best wrestlers in the world this year, easily. And I watch everything. He's been great. And he was great in this match. This guy's fucking awesome. And I really think people who haven't been paying attention to Noah, I've got the matches. I've talked about them behind the paywall in my written reviews. Go back and take a look at this guy's year. And this was this match wasn't anything special, but he was awesome in this match. And I, you know, and I and when I look and I like Noah right now, I really like Noah right now. I'm into the Noah right now. And I look at their roster, and he is one of the five best wrestlers on the roster. And I don't even think I'm being crazy with that opinion. And I know you can't comment because you didn't watch this match, and maybe you haven't watched as much Noah as I have, especially the down card stuff where he's been. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been primarily watching the kind of the major matches, but yeah, not 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 a ton oh, of the undercard stuff. Motherfucker, this guy's good. And I know we're going to do our our voices of wrestling FSM top fifty again, probably at the end of the year. We kept that alive last year. Yeah. Oh, sure. I'm, and I'm telling you right now, I'm going to have this guy in my top twenty. I don't know how high I can get him, but I cannot think of twenty wrestlers this year who have been better than him. He's fifty four, and Rich, he looks exactly the same way. He he like. If you watched him win the GHC title from Jun Akiyama 18 years ago and then watch this match tonight, not only does he wrestle exactly the same, he looks exactly the same. He doesn't age. He wears the same gear. He's been wearing the same gear for like 25 years. He doesn't even change his gear. The fucking black uh, tights with the tiger stripes. And it says, in case you forgot who he is, it says Yoshinori Ogawa on his hat. <laughs> right, right. It looks like indie, look like indie trunks, like the guys that come out there yeah. first because it's literally the same ones he's worn since he like yeah, he started. It's, yeah. it's... I mean, he's, he hasn't changed his gear in 25 years. He, he never ages. He looks the same. He's in tremendous shape. And he works circles around these guys that are 28 years old. So... Uh, I wanted to put him over strong. I I could not believe when 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 you gave that the date that he started in 1985, September 3rd, 1985. He has his first match ever against Shinji Sasazaki, I believe is how you pronounce it. So Sasazaki, who ended up becoming samurai and stuff, and he he went to America. He retired in 1990, so he's been the guy he made his debut with retired 30 years ago. By the way, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, he debuted before Kikuchi. And, like, Kikuchi's completely washed yeah, up. Yeah, Kikuchi's, yeah, had his run, resin fallen, and, and now he's just kind of a dude that just kind of hangs around. Yeah, that's, it's, and, it's and, and pretty insane. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking yeah, crazy. On the, show, on the show that he debuted, um, the final two matches feature Tiger Jeet Singh and Killer Khan are <laughs> both wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how long he spans. Like, you could do, you could do a six degrees of wrestling. And and get pretty fucking far with using Ogawa, Tiger Jeet Singh, and then like you know what I mean? Like you you can get into like the fifties with that, right? Oh, God, farther than that, probably. Like Tiger Jeet, yeah. Because when did Jeet start? He's like, I mean, I guess with stuff that you actually have on record, yeah. What, what do you got to go back? I don't know. I forget how far. 
I could go back with him. But yeah, you're you're. Dude, Ogawa wrestled. He wrestled. He wrestled Momota. He wrestled. <laughs> right. You can maybe yeah. Ogawa Jeet might not even be the best one. You might even be able to go to the the fucking. 50s and the 40s and then yeah you can get to ricky dose at that point you go literally <laughs> to the very you can connect him very literally to the to the start of japanese pro wrestling with one degree right it, like like that's 1985 <laughs> it's insane. and it's not he's not like these other fucking dinosaurs who stink like fujita he like looks like he can't even like he looks like he's like uh, like rigor mortis is setting in. The guy can barely like run the ropes and walk across the ring. You know, it, it's like Muto, you know, the shot knees and everything else. I mean, you know, he, this guy still goes in there and wrestles the same way he wrestled in 1990. And I'm not even exaggerating. It's, it's really incredible. And I don't think he gets enough attention as like we give to the Mochizukis and the Negro Casases and, and these other guys who are, you know, um, uh, Yuji Nagata and, and and some of these other dudes who are kind of in his age range. And I he gets left out for some reason. You know, it's probably because of where he wrestles and whatnot. And, and again, he's hardly ever – this year he's been pushed. Normally he doesn't get pushed. So I think that has a lot to do with it too. But um, he used to come on those Lions Gate New Japan shows. And yeah, just, yeah, those were awesome. I miss those shows so much. He would just stretch the New Japan Young Boys, you know, and it's like, you know, man, I don't know. He's just, I, I really wanted to give him some dedicated time. Yeah, but. I, I so so he's a guy that has come up. Like people have always, you know, when I do those Q and A's, a lot of people will ask me, hey, you know, if you could do a pro wrestling trade, like what would you do? Uh, and one of the ones that I made that that a lot of people were like, ah, that's actually a pretty good trade. Is I would trade Hiroki Goto to Noah and take Ogawa back because I think Ogawa. I mean, it would give Ogawa like a big, I, and I understand like. Pressing trades in and of themselves are kind of ridiculous or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like, but I just love the idea of, of him finally getting that big run, being able to be on a Wrestle Kingdom, like mucking yeah. it up with like your Canamoros and, and your El Desperados and whatnot. And and Goto, I mean, come on, he'd be fucking tremendous in Noah. Like he's lost in New Japan doing that. I think that is honestly like the best trade I could come up with is is give Ogawa to New Japan, uh, let him, you know, muck it up. And, and he, he mucks up with these guys perfectly in Noah. I, I, it's, I don't want to take away from Noah, but it's mostly that I just want to give him like that one big run, you know what I mean? That one big moment or whatever. And, and yeah, it's, it's like, that's the one that always comes to me is Ogawa getting a, a bigger spotlight and just being able to have a more opportunity for more people to say, holy shit, this guy's still good. And wait, how old is he? Like, yeah, that, that's, I just want that for him before he retires. How about Ogawa just totally grounding Hiromu and working over his legs for twenty minutes? That's what I mean. Think about the matches I mean, he could have in the New Japan Junior Division, and and, and again, it's yeah. like I, I, he does great in the Noah Division, but God, there's some great matches there. Just no, <laughs> you, you make that trade makes a lot of sense because you could squeeze the last bit of juice out of Hiroki Goto, mixing it up with these fucking ass kickers on top of the Noah card because Goto he's done in New Japan. I oh, mean, for sure. Yeah, but you could put him you could put him in that that the, the the main event that we're talking about. It could be him versus yeah. Shiozaki and it'd be almost exactly the same match and it would fucking rule. I think that's I think that's a great trade. I think you thought of a really great one, which would be real in no look, this is all fantasy yeah, bullshit. It's never ever in the never world, universe but, happening, but but that would be a lot of fun and you know Ogawa would have a lot of juniors that he's never worked with in uh in New Japan to to uh to mix it up with and bring a different style to the table too i mean because he could do it all he can get grimy with despy and dookie and he can bring a totally different element to hiromu and um he could wrestle young guys like show and 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 rob oh man ogawa versus robbie eagles i mean 
Yeah, there's a yeah, lot. Yeah, you and Mura, like, you know, stepping up to him oh. and slapping him and then yeah. him just fucking stretching his ass for 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. be great. It'd be awesome. Yeah, it really would be good. But nothing about him changed. Same haircut. Same fucking vest. Yeah, still ugly as fuck. Yeah, ugly as hell, which is perfect. He, I, I like that he's ugly. Oh, it's perfect that he's ugly. Yeah. Absolutely. His face you know? got yeah. run over by a car, but that's fine. That's exactly what you want. So yeah, it looks like his face was on fire and you put it out with a nice pick. You know, he's just an ugly dude. And he he hasn't gained or lost a pound in, in 36 years. Say, like, he looks exactly the same. It's just, uh, yeah, yeah, he's just, uh, it's just notable how great that that guy still is. Um, now Rich can jump in because we're at the true business end yes. of the car. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cano um, defeats Kato Kiyomiya, national title match. Again, I was surprised by the result after seeing Muto win, but they've got bigger plans for that youngster, Keiji Muto. So, uh, look, I don't think this was the best match these two have ever had. I did think it was low-end notebook material, and I really enjoyed the finish. Um, I love their rivalry. It's one of my favorite rivalries in all of wrestling. Kano is very good at rivalries, and and that's notable for him. I mean, he's got a great one with Nakajima. I'm sure they got more matches uh, in the future now that they're you know they have this uneasy stablemates and all that. But Kano and Keito Kiyomiya is another one. I just love their rivalry. The matches usually end with somebody either getting knocked out or tapped out when it comes to these two. Uh, what did you think of this? No, I, I think that the line that you bring up is exactly what I was going to say about this is, is, is I loved how Cano wrestled this. Like, he, like this is a personal grudge, and, and he's he's always great at doing that. There, there's And Cano's a guy who, like, I, I kind of vary on it. Like, there's sometimes where I think he's, like, one of the best wrestlers in the world, and other times where I'm just kind of like, yeah, he's, he's fine. You know what I mean? He's an okay guy. But anytime he's in these matches that are, like, these blow-offs to a big feud or something that he can sink his teeth into, it definitely feels that. You can sense that in the way he wrestles, and he, 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 he changes his style to fit that as well. So he'll get in there and just beat the fuck out of a guy. And that's what he did here with Kiyomiya. He's, he just beat the fuck out of him, beat the fuck out of him, beat the fuck out of him. Kiyomiya was kind of the high flyer trying to kind of, you know, win in that way where, where in, and, and, you know, eventually, no, it doesn't happen. Kanoa just locks him in a fucking hold and, and Kiyomiya just basically passes out until he has to, you know, I, I think, did he pass, did he, he didn't end up tapping out, did he, or did he just pass out? I forget. I don't know if he tapped or passed out. That's a good question. I forget I, if he I, did. They should, they zoomed it on his face, and it was perfect because you just see the life like leaving his body as as the match ends. And I yeah. forget if he tapped or or, or ended up uh, just it's passing a rear out. Naked, but rear naked choke finish. Basically. Right, 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 right. So yeah, I forget exactly how the referee called it or whatever, but it didn't matter because it was just perfect. It was a great finish for it, and and I was very I was surprised by the result as well. But when it was all done, I was like, you know what, that's fine because Cano looked like an ass kicker, and he looked pretty great in, in, in it as well. So um, I was fine with the result. And it's not like Kano's not a guy that you wouldn't want to push either. Like, I, I thought Kiyomiya would win this as well. But I'm fine with Kano winning this. I'm fine with him moving on. And I thought this was a great match. I thought he, he I thought he in particular was tremendous. And Kiyomiya was fine in this match. I thought he did a really good, you know, high-flying uh, throughout. But I thought Kano was just a perfect ass-kicker in this. I, I absolutely loved his his output in this match. Yeah, I mean, um, they had a match when Kiyomiya was a young boy. You kind of throw that one out. But then they had the famous match on January 6, 2018, where Kano is champion and he wins by KO. Kiyomiya had just returned, remember? Yeah, oh yeah, he, yeah. He beat him by KO. They have a couple more matches, but then exactly one year later, the roles are reversed. Kiyomiya is the champion and he beats Kano on January 6, 2019. Because they always have that match in early January. They always have that show early January in Cork and Hall. And then um, 
Kiyomiya beat him again uh, later in the year in another title defense. And now Kano, after losing two straight, uh, wins this one. And I, I, I really was uh, surprised by the results. And I really thought they were going to do the Muto thing. And I don't know where you go with Kiyomiya from here. I think he's been elevated to me better without the title. We've talked about this than he was when he had the title. But uh, I'm talking about the big the big belt now, not the national title. Um, but it's interesting because both with him and Nakajima losing the go, I don't know where you go with either of these guys um, uh, right now. So with the, because I, I, I was surprised by both results. But I guess I'm jumping ahead because we do have to talk about the uh, the tag team match. But when it comes to Kano, he's got this great rivalry um, with 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 two men right now at the same time, which is which is uh, is not easy to do at the same time. But it just speaks to how good he is at building long term rivalries with because it's all in the way you work the matches. You, know, you look at the 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 feud, the long-term feud he has going with Nakajima and they've wrestled eight times in singles matches. If you want to take it all the way back to 2014, which really isn't part of the current, but let's, let's just for the sake of the argument. And in those eight singles matches between Kano and Nakajima, uh, one, two, three, four, five of the eight have ended in KO DQ or time limit draw Hmm. or referee decision. They just they just beat each other up until somebody can't stand anymore. <laughs> I like it. It's good. Like they don't pin each other. It's it's always like a knockout or the referee steps in and stops it. And and they're just violent matches where they kick each other in the head. And he ha- kind of has that same feel with Kiyomiya too. So that's what makes Kano a really interesting wrestler to me. But um, let's talk about this tag match. I didn't like it, and I think I'm on an island. Because everyone else seems to have enjoyed it. But we had Kazushi Sakuraba and Takashi Sagara. Of course they were going to win this because Masakatsu motherfucking Funaki was not going to come in and win a tag team title uh, You know, for this. He's just one of these old dudes that Ron Guy brought in for the big show. He should have. He looks great. I, I liked it. He's got a slick look. I like the hair, he, the tan. And he wrestled well. Yeah, I he thought. did. Yeah, he, you, you can't believe that that dude, what's he, 52, 53, right, at this point? Maybe older. Is he older than that? I'll pull it up. I got the cage match up. It's an He's old 51. ass show. I didn't realize how old the show was. There's so many yeah, old well, guys. Yeah, well, fucking friends of Nosawa come in, you know, <laughs> right. and they're all fucking ancient. Um, He's 51. And he teamed with Marafuji here. Look, this match had its moments. But as a total package, I didn't think it was very good. Uh, Marafuji gave that apron pile driver to Sugi. And it felt like it took eight years. Yeah, to it took up. so long. Yeah. And I it's like... It. It, if you got to take that long to set up a spot in order to be safe, maybe eliminate that spot is all I'm saying. Like you're, you're both old as fuck. You're both like, well, in Marafuji's case, you're beat to shit. I don't know. Maybe leave that one on the drawing board. Do something else. You know, uh, I was worried for Segura there because the, the way it was set up, but um, I thought Funaki looked good and I thought everybody looked good at times in the match, but, I don't know. I thought it was too long, and the, the middle portion, you know, there wasn't much going on. I, it seems like people like this more than I did. What did you think? Of this? Yeah, I think I think I actually liked it a little bit more than you did as well. I, I I thought it was pretty good. I mean, the parts that I didn't love was like the the real beginning 
Um, well, I, I should preface that. Okay, so I enjoyed it to be when, when we got Sakuraba and Funaki starting off. They, they start off, if I'm correct, right? And just yeah. kind of, it was kind of interesting at first because it was like, all right, let's go. These two like old grapplers get in there, but then like you know, five minutes into the grappling, I'm like, all right, let's, let's tag out. Let's get the you know, let's get some work going here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, enough of that. So that, that like I briefly enjoyed that, and then I was like, all right, let's move on. <laughs> and they didn't uh, right away. But then when they got to, you know when, when it was Segura in there with Mirafuji, when it was you know Sakuraba in there with with, with you know Mirafuji, when it was you know Segura in there with Funaki, when it was a little bit of a, a difference instead of just Sakuraba and Funaki, I enjoyed the work. Was this a great match? No, it, it, it's absolutely not a great match. It's not like a match that you really need to go out of your way to see. But, you know, I, I, I liked it. I thought it was pretty well worked, and, and, and I was interested in it throughout. And I thought, you know, Marifuji did well. I thought Segura did well. Uh, and really, I thought Funaki in the parts that he was in did pretty well as well. It was only just Sakuraba, who I didn't love. But I, I this was, to me, you know, I get Sakuraba, and I don't fucking absolutely hate it. I consider that a, a success. And, and I thought he was okay in this match. And that, to me, uh, is a win. So I, I think I liked it a little bit more than you did. But I could absolutely see why you, you, you would not. Let me uh, cage match has it at six point six seven. So what's that? About three three and a quarter. Yeah, th- I think that's fine. That's exactly where I would have it. So I have no problem with that. Fair. Let's check the grapple only because I'm curious. Uh, Pro wrestling Noah. What's yeah, one of those is going to be higher. Yeah, it's it's I forget Chronicle. what it's called. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, grapple has it at. 3.56, so a tad higher mm-hmm. in cage match. I gave it three. I gave it three. Yeah, I'm probably closer to where I'm, – I'm probably closer to the consensus there, about the three and a half, three and three quarter, somewhere in that range. Yeah. So, I gave Muto Taniguchi two. I thought I went <laughs> I went two. Are you the low end of that? Uh, uh, 2.7. Ooh, ooh, okay. All right. So it's, it's not good. And 2.7. <laughs> On uh, grapple and five point six seven, which is what two point three? Yeah. No, yeah, two no two point eight. Uh, math two eight eight and eight is six. Yeah, like two point eight or something, right? All right, so like the same rating on on both sides. Um, yeah, I don't know. I did this tag. I, like I said, I just I think people liked him more than I did. Um, and you know what I think of Masakatsu motherfucking Funaki. That's your I guy. Yeah, him. yeah. Um, he looks so great. I, I can't get over. I can't get over how great he's just like, dude. I pushed that guy to the moon. He just, he looks like a guy that could just whoop your ass. You know what I mean? He looks like he still has something left. Like, yeah. Who knows if he was working a full schedule though? That's the other thing. That's gonna be tough. Yeah, that's um, gonna be tough. But yeah, he's he still no. projects like a fucking badass. No, I no I buy him. I buy him as an ass kicker. And that's yeah, I want him in a, in a nice suit with the belt on his shoulder. You know what I mean? Just walking down, representing the company. You know, one of those kind of classic guys. He can wear his old headband that he used to wear too down to the ring that'd be pretty sweet but yeah yeah and i mean it's like he came in a couple weeks ago to win a tag i think it was Segura and nosawa to set up this match to set up the title match so you bring him in for a couple of shots but it's like who knows if he's working the full schedule if he even wants to do that and how would he look if he was working a full right, schedule right, right. i don't know the answers to those questions now two guy because zero one is is falling apart at the seams Yuji Hino is a free agent now, too, and we haven't talked about that. Do you think a guy like Yuji Hino, and I don't know the politics, do you think he could walk in the, like a play? Where would you like to see Yuji Hino walk in? No politics. No where politics. Would he- I, I would like him in, I think I would like him in Noah probably the best, but I would not mind him in All Japan either. I think he'd be pretty solid in All Japan. Kohei Sato. 
he left zero one before Hino did and hasn't really yeah. I don't think he's found a permanent home That's yet. He's me. another guy. He can go back to zero one. <laughs> You're not a Sato guy, huh? Not a Sato guy. Yeah, he can go right back there if he wants to. So So you'd put Sato back in zero one. Yeah, he can, Vi- he can go back. Yeah, him and Chris Weiss and Hartley Jackson could fight each other till eternity. So but you'd put Hino in either Noah or all Japan. Pick one. Show some guts. All right, I'll show some guts here. Let's throw him in. I think I like him better in all Japan, to be honest. I think they need a little bit of a boost more than Noah does. They could probably use the boost, right? Yeah. He'd be really good in Noah, though. Just having grunty, big, you know, just meat slapping matches, though, in Noah. Ah, he could do that in all Japan, too. Put him in all Japan. Yeah. What do you think of those two guys leaving there? They're in trouble, huh? They're not doing good. Yeah, that's like the classic. Um... You know, th- that, that's a telltale sign that the company is just, you know, plummeting. When, when, the, when the good guys are given opportunities to just go away and, and, and pursue other, you know, means and, at, hey, we can't at, really pay you anymore. So, you know. At the same time, though, were those two guys really drawing anything there? I mean, you can no, see. No, no. And that's, yeah, that's, that's definitely. Um, and they've got the kid on top now. And they're giving that kid a shot. And those two guys have been there forever. Isn't it almost better that, wouldn't you rather see this kid? In a fresh round of matches, we just saw him against Hartley Jackson, and he'll probably have a rematch if he hasn't already. Rather than just seeing guys like Sato and Hino just trade that belt into perpetuity. Oh yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. And and I would I would expect to still see him on shows. It, it, this strikes me as one of those things too, where um, at, at least until he links up with somebody, if if he does. But this strikes me as hey, we can't afford to like pay you as a regular anymore. So you know, feel free to pursue other opportunities. But you know, we'll we'll, we'll book you if you want. You know, type thing, which. Again, it does not is not a great sign for the company that that person works for, but uh, who knows? I mean, it, it, it's hard to say, but yeah, you can't imagine zero ones doing successful at any level whatsoever. So, um, I'm sure. That, well, uh, you know, uh, Taru. So, uh, yeah. Got when somebody asked me for wrestling trades, I gave Evil to zero one with nothing in return. Cash considerations uh, was the return that I wanted for uh, Evils. Yeah. Well, like I if you want, you, you could send me somebody, but we don't really need anybody. You can just have him, so bye. All right. Kohei Sato has not come back. I looked it up. Oh, really? I oh, mean, okay. Yeah. So he, uh, that was one that we we thought for sure that he would at least maybe jump in there every so often. No. Uh, there's but he has not come back. That's not good. He's then. not yeah. been there since June. Mm. So he's doing a lot of big Japan. Um, he's mucking it up in some, in some grimy places, too, but... Um, how about this? He, in, in, on, on the 15th of this month, he teamed with Fuminari Abe, or Abe. People get mad at me. Fuminari Abe and Kohei Sato defeat the Kubota brothers. <laughs> what? Listen, on a Yanagase pro wrestling show. I can't Kubota, believe we didn't talk about that. Kubota brothers produce. We can't do it at the Sports Bar M Cafe <laughs> at Gifu, Japan. If you wanted to know what Kohei Sato's up to lately. Oh, man. I'm surprised we didn't talk about that show or preview it. Bad job out of us again to not uh, preview the, what was it? Yanagase Pro Wrestling Presents Kabuto Brothers Produce? It's the Kabuto Brothers Produce show. We can do it. Uh, I guess they're big fans of the Waterboy. Uh, Yanagase Pro is the promotion. It took place at Sports Bar M in Gifu, Japan. <laughs> I got to see how dirty this show is. Hold on. Obviously Bar M, me. yeah. Let's get ready for a, 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 a you know, a, Oh, Rich, you want to hear the show? Oh, my God, this show's dirty. Look at this semi-main event. Kenichiro Arai. So we got got our boy. We got the deep drunker himself. And he goes to a 20-minute time. Oh, God. Against Shoki Kitamura. My God. 
third from the top, we got a little Shogun Akamoto action. What the fuck? How bad is this? Our boy Subasa pops up on the show. Oh, all right, all right. Rachel and Sugi. Second match on the card against two men I've never heard of. <laughs> L. El Aquage. El Aquage and Yanagase came in Fuerza. That's who they defeated. Um, have we identified Rachel yet, this man teaming with Sugi? I don't think anyone's Rachel. identified. Oh, no, yeah. Didn't we try to do that and we, we couldn't? Yeah. Does he like have we've... any moles? He got moles know. on his back. Yeah, we I don't know. Look at this opener. Kanatsu defeats Momoka Hanazono. You familiar with those? Give uh, me a little breakdown of Momoka Hanazono. Oh, where do I where to where to begin, Joe? It's it would take too long. We we only have uh, we only have about ten minutes left on the show, so I don't want to. Uh, twenty one year old, twenty one year old, four foot ten female freelancer, Momoko Hanazona. All right, so I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at M's Sports Bar. What, what's this thing called? Sports Bar uh, Sports Bar M's Cafe. Uh, if you look at them on Google Maps, they uh, they show the wrestling ring. It is. Um, it's strange. It's so it, it, there's like six tables, um, some older looking Japanese folk uh, sitting at these tables. Um, they appear to be mostly old women for some reason. Yeah. The walls are littered with posters of uh, Shinya Hashimoto, and there's a, vig- a visible merch stand in the background. Uh, appears to be in the hard cam of this. I'm place. surprised you found photos of this. Yeah, it's uh, pretty grimy. It's. Um, I won't lie. I'd go see a wrestling show here. Looks like a pretty decent time, but uh, yeah, it. Uh, well, that's what Kohei Sato's up. To. Yeah, that's that's not good. At max, it looks like these shows full capacity pre-COVID. These shows look like they maybe could get about eleven people in there. So uh, these appear to be paid shows or something. I don't know what what the hell is going on. Sports Momoka bar and his cafe. So Momoka Hanazono, the, the the Joshi fans are going to get mad at us. She wrestles in a lot of these grimy Joshi promotions mm. like Reina and. Uh, Pure J and shit like that. Pro wrestling wave. Oh, there's also a giant cardboard cutout of Hulk Hogan uh, in the background of a uh, sports bar. Oh, well. <laughs> so course, there's, there's posters of Shinya Hashimoto and, of course, Hulk Hogan. So um, why wouldn't there be? <laughs> so, all right, let's talk about this main event. Let's do it. And Goshi Ozaki defeats. Oh god! Oh god! It's a video. Oh god! I just clicked the video. All right, so all the listeners just heard a really weird video from Sports Bar M's uh, Cafe. So anyway, go ahead. Uh, Main event, and I was surprised by this result as well. I really thought Nakajima would finally end, would just rip off Shiozaki's arms like Jax from Mortal Kombat and uh, put him away for good. Jax was the one with the fatality with the arms ripped off, Yes, correct, correct. Okay, so um, I couldn't remember if it was Jax or Johnny Cage, but I, I picked the right one. Uh, but no, Shiozaki indoors, and I thought this was a great match. Now, this is a match that will get matched to your votes, I think, and will do very well. Yes. In the poll. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I, I understood the story here. Shiozaki once again defending the honor of Noah. There was so many callbacks to Noah's history in this one. Uh, the kick slash chop exchange, which was just reminiscent of Kobashi and. Uh, Kensuke Sasaki. There were some Masawa callbacks uh, mixed in here, and Shiozaki withstands a hellacious beating from Nakajima 
that nasty ground and pound sequence in the middle of the match. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. We're, we're, you know, for people that did not see this. So Nakajima's got Go Shiozaki on the ground. This is after like 30 minutes of these guys beating the fuck out of each other. And he's just elbowing this guy over and over and over and over again. He's out on the ground. The referee comes over. Nakajima shoves the referee out of the way and just pounds on him and pounds on him and pounds on him. You're assuming that Go Shiozaki, this is how the match is going to end. That he's just dead. He just passes yeah. out and, and, and Nakajima... Either in WWE, he'd be disqualified for kicking too much ass at this point. This would be the classic, you're yeah. kicking too much ass disqualification. But uh, you would you, you got the impression that the referee was just going to dive in front of Nakajima and just say, okay, it's over. You killed him. He's dead. <laughs> You've killed Go Shiozaki in the middle of this ring. You know, he's, he's... And you could buy either of those finishes, yeah. either a DQ for being too nasty. He even shoved the referee away. Right, 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 right. While he was beating him to death in the center of the ring. Um. And I and don't get me wrong, I thought this was a great match. Okay, let me put that out there before I criticize it. Because I went four and a quarter, which is low because people have this at like five stars. Yeah, I went four know. and a half and I looked like a a, a loser <laughs> compared to what I saw in Grapple. So there you go. But there were some things I didn't like about it. I thought the middle portion was pretty boring, if I'm being honest. I thought this match was 42 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it didn't feel super long to me, but I still feel like they could have chopped out eight to ten minutes and not lost a thing in terms of the story. Okay? And um, I thought sort of Shiozaki's comeback, I get it. I get the story they were telling. I think it lost something without a crowd. I Because I think if this were a crowd that were allowed to cheer and rally behind him as he was making the comeback, I may have went five stars on this too. Or I would have went four and three quarters and maybe just taken off for the boring middle portion. But without the crowd rallying behind him, I found his comeback to be a little bit unrealistic. Because the level of beating that he took, he kind of just recovered from it like he was the Undertaker sitting up from a finisher. Like, it wasn't like a gradual comeback. He kind of just magically revived and then, you know hit all of his big moves on Nakajima and dropped him on his head a couple of times and then put him away. And it's like, I didn't think they did a good job with Shiozaki's comeback in terms of it being gradual and hard fought. And I think not having the crowd hurt that to some extent. I can buy a wrestler hulking up, so to speak, if 8,000 fans are rallying behind them and, 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 and providing that atmosphere. Because you didn't have that, you just have these stupid clap crowds. I think it took something away. With all of that said, I really did love the match, and I thought it was a really, really good match. But for me, short of a match of the year contender. What did you think? Uh, so I, I liked it. Uh, I liked it a lot. You're buzzing a little bit if you want to shake your uh, – not to okay, break the I'll fourth wall a little bit. <laughs> sorry. There we go. Yeah. I think. Good? Yeah, I think we're good. All right. Sorry. All right. Have no a problem. little bit. Halfway through the you were on a roll. I didn't want to want to stop you, so I'm sure people won't care if the quality's a little low on the roll. But uh, I'm I'm right with you. I, I went like four and a half, or I, I'm teetering between four and a half and four and a quarter, and I'm too much of a coward uh, to decide which one. And, and on any given moment, I, I I kind of switch between the two. And it's again, it's a stupid dopey star rating. It doesn't fucking matter, but still, I care about it, and and, and I think four about it. Yeah, I could go. I could go with the classic four and two thirds, but Grapple doesn't let me do that, so I have to decide between one or the other. But um, no, to me, like, and I understood the the, the chop kick exchange. I understood the, the significance of that, the history of that. But dude, it went on for like eleven minutes, and I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> like, I know, I know, I know the Kobashi Sasaki match. It went on for longer. 
but that's motherfucking Kenta Kobashi and Kensuke Sasaki. You know what I mean? Those guys can can ri- and in front of a giant fucking Tokyo Dome with everybody going nuts in every second that it's happening. You know, it's a different story when you're in front of a clap crowd. So that I really could have lopped off like five minutes of that thing. I, I just did not see, need to see those guys go at it. And, and and there would be brief portions where they'd break it up by a guy would bounce off the ropes, then he'd get hit again. Then he'd bounce off the ropes and he'd get hit again. And it was like, all right, let's go. Let's let's move on to the next part of this match. Particularly when I know that this match is going 40 minutes. Is is I'm investing, you know, 12 minutes in these guys doing pretty much the same move. Uh, back and forth to one another, and uh, a lot of the same things that you said too. What, what what I will say though, I will give a little bit of credit in 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 the kind of the closing stretch uh, to Shiozaki doing something that I love is um, he went for the moonsault and he landed on the shoulder and instead of going for the pinfall, he he rolled off to like go motherfucker like I just absolutely killed my shoulder and I thought that was really really cool. It was a cool way to kind of show that how Nakajima would kick out of that move. Because then Go Shiozaki, after he holds his shoulder for a little bit, and goes, motherfucker, should not have done that. That hurt a lot. He rolls over and pins Nakajima, and Nakajima kicks out that way. And that's like a, a classic Puro way to kind of have a guy kick out of a finisher without it necessarily being you directly kicking out of the finisher. It's you kicking out of, you know, after a few seconds of that other guy, you know, he, he doesn't immediately make the cover. He struggles to make the cover. So it gives that little bit of an out there. So I like that. But then, like you said, like, you know, the last, you know, four minutes of the match is Go Shiozaki basically doing all of his shit, just doing all of his, his, his big moves. And when you, you know, juxtapose that with the 38 minutes of getting his shoulder literally ripped out of the socket, it did feel a little bit like, oh, well, what the hell, man? Like, I would have liked him to just not use that arm, you know, not use the lariat, not, not be able to do anything really with that arm. I think... There's 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 matches where I think a guy should you know never not use a body part or you know or matches where I don't really care if you know you're selling a knee the entire match but then you kind of rally through it or or whatever like we we talk about that all the time selling body parts but this is a man who comes to the ring with a taped up shoulder a guy who looks like he can barely lift his shoulder above his head and then 38 minutes of the match is the guy beating on this guy's shoulder like that's a match where I could totally buy that the guy can't use his shoulder anymore and maybe shouldn't use his shoulder anymore so that that is where. I will join you in, in kind of thinking, ah, I can't go five stars. I can't call it like a match of the year contender for me because of that. Because like there, 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 there's that aspect of it. And then it just, at, at points, it felt like it was a little too long and a little too boring for me. But with that all said, I mean, I'm still at nearly four and a half stars. I'm either four and two thirds or whatever. Like it's a fucking tremendous match. It's an awesome, awesome match. It's just two guys going in there and beating the fuck out of each other to prove who's the better man. And I'm never going to be down on a match like that. You know, I'm never, I'm never going to come in here and say, oh, that, that sucked or I hated it or whatever, because I didn't. It was, it was really, really good. It's just there was things I can poke holes in it, and that's all we're doing here. We're, we're, we're talking about the difference between a really, really, really good match and a match that's going to get match of the year votes or a match that I would drop five stars on. So that, that's why, you know, you and I both like this match, but it does seem like, yeah, we're kind of trying to find the reasons why we didn't like it. But, you know, you have to defend it when you're not going five stars because there's a lot of people doing that. A lot of people that we listen to, a lot of listeners, a lot of people that we trust. You know, a lot of people that I listen to their opinions very greatly that, that went five stars with it. And, and um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not quite there, but I'm, I'm right with you. A really, really, really good match, but just not on that level. I'm glad you brought up the moonsault spot because that was great. And I, I don't think Go did a poor job of selling. I thought he did a great job of selling in this match. Even though I thought his comeback was a little bit too Superman for me, I still thought he did a great job selling in this match. I really think the match layout was smart, and it just it didn't work when fans couldn't get loud and rally behind him. I think that's the part that I struggled with a little bit. The other great spot was early in the match with that overhead suplex off the apron to the floor. I mean, so there were there were there were great spots in this match, and. Um, it was a great match. 
Grapple has it at 4.63, and Cage Match has it at 9.49. Wow. Yeah, that's (laughs) – fuck. And I get it. I get it. But it's like I just – I wasn't quite that high, uh, you know, myself on this. But but a great match. And when you have, you know, the the national title match and this match, you know, even though the rest of this show – I didn't really like the rest of this show. I thought the junior tag match, that was the Ogawa show. And that match was okay. And then you had these two match because I didn't love the heavyweight title tag title match. So for me, this was like a two, like I said, a two and a half match show. I thought the undercard was kind of shitty. So, but it just goes to show if the matches that are supposed to deliver, deliver, you end up coming out of a show. I mean, you know, this ended four o'clock in the morning and I had a smile on my face because I enjoyed, you know, the, 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 the two matches that mattered most. So, um, Noah's in a real good place right now. And I think Goshi Ozaki is vaulting up my wrestler of the year list. And I think he's having the best year of his career. I've really um, liked, yeah, I've liked his output a lot this year. And, 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 and goes a guy, as I was watching this match, I was kind of thinking about this uh, as well. We're a little over time, but who gives a shit? We, we make our own rules these days. We're, we're big we'll shots. And yeah, we'll blow off New Japan. we're not going to talk New Japan this week. Patreon.com slash wrestling Omakase. They're, they're covering every, uh, Omakase's got every show because Rich and I are both way behind. So we don't have, a ton to add about the tournaments that we didn't talk about last week. So we'll just blow it off and get to it next week. Right. But John Carroll, patreon.com slash uh, wrestling Omikase yeah. covering all those shows. So you can listen there and, and, and get recaps and support a uh, good person there. But uh, anyway, uh, the, the thing about Koshiozaki is he's always a guy that I think, you, you always, and, and like when you t- you'll always say, Oh, you're not a Koshiozaki guy. You, you don't care. And, and the thing is, is like, I end up liking more Goshiozaki matches than I really remember. And like anytime I go through history and watch a Goshiozaki match, I end up liking it a lot. I just think I, 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 I think it's like an expectation thing. I always want him to be like one of the best wrestlers ever and like a greatest of all time and like this, you know, great generationally awesome talent. And I don't know if he's that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if he's that, but, like, I really enjoy most of what I watch. He's probably better than I give him credit for, and he's probably better all time. And he might be a guy that when he eventually retires and I go through his career and I watch a bunch of old matches, I might say, fuck, this guy was really damn good. And, like, I spent most of my time watching him thinking, ah, he's not quite as good as I want him to be. Do you, do you end up getting that same sort of feeling with Shiozaki as well? He's definitely an underachiever because, you know, he was meant to – and his career has been snake bit. We've gone over it a million times. I mean, every seemingly, you know, back when Noah was still more than basically a large indie, there were opportunities for him to be the guy. And like, he wins the title right around when Masawa dies. And it just he had a really rough career from a luck standpoint. And also, he just didn't have the necessary charisma to be the top guy in a truly hot promotion. But his work. I think he's underachieved to some extent with his work as well, but he does have a lot of high points. But I, I really do think that this current title run that he's on is the best run of his career. I mean, he won the title in January, and um, a lot of people loved the stair match. We didn't love it, but a lot of people loved that stair match. It was a good title change against Kiyomiya. Then the stair match, and then he had a couple matches, you know, Akatoshi Saito, but that was for Saito, you know, uh, uh, kind of a gold watch title challenge for him and the Marafuji match, which I liked a lot actually. And then he had the time limit draw against Kano, which I think we both really liked. Yeah. Oh, I love that match. 
and now this Nakajima match, and his his N one was great. Yeah, I oh, he had that oh that uh, the Mochizuki match that I think was my favorite one of the yeah. entire N one was him and, and, and Mochizuki, right? That 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 happened this year, right? I, I lose track of yeah. what year was year. <laughs> you know, that his was N1 this year, right? Was awesome. Yeah, the same thing. The, selling the arms through the whole tournament. You know, he even had that little mini thing with Sakuraba, where Sakuraba tapped him out in Cork and Hall, and then they had the rematch during the N one, and had a, a a pretty cool match working off of that story. This has been the best year of his career, both in kayfabe and bell to bell as sort of this aging veteran, old school Noah guy defending the honor of old school Noah, holding on by a string, his body taped together. He's pushing 40. He's holding off all these young guns, right? And he's having the best run of matches in his life too on top of it. So, um, you know, it's like he feels like he's been around forever. With that said, he's only 38. Yeah. I mean, this is we talk about this all the time. When do guys peak these days in wrestling? Mid to late 30s. You know, it's like a lot of guys, they don't put it all together until then. And maybe this is him putting it all together. And I don't know how much of this arm stuff is a work and what isn't. We talk about this all the time. You know, and, and I don't know if his body's legitimately broken down or not. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but maybe this is the start of an awesome three or four year run for him. And Noah's on more stable ground with the Bima. The production values are way up. They're, they've got a stable company behind them. And, you know, maybe when he finally does put someone over for this title, it will spark them a little bit and push them, you know, uh, uh, a little bit, you know, ahead of the pack, ahead of your all Japans and, 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 and your other, your zero ones and things like that, which is where they've kind of been living before the Abima thing, you know, and, and, and maybe that, you know, this is, you know, we'll look back and, you know, all the failed attempts to make Yoshi Ozaki a guy 10 years ago, um, you know, 15 years ago at this point, you know, maybe this is the the will be the keynote run of his mm-hmm. career. Mm-hmm. It feels like it already might be. I feel like we already might be there. But yeah, we'll see when it finally, you know, when it finally ends. But I think we're 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 we might be there already, honestly. You know, going through his career and looking at it, I'd say the only other one would be his all Japan uh run that he had and that had some some highlights as well. But yeah, in terms of Noah, it's just a lot of like disjointed weird uh runs that I really can't ever say like, oh that's definitely like the definitive uh Shiozaki run and, and this might be it. We might be watching it right now. Yeah, man, he was a a good-looking guy with, uh, you know, tall, good size, ton of potential. They sent him to America. He, you know, did FIP and Ring of Honor, and he was supposed to him and him and uh, and uh, um, Morishima were supposed to be, you know, supposed to take Noah into the future after they gave up on on Kenta and Marafuji for being too small, or you know. It just didn't happen. Yeah, I saw. I saw a lot of Goshiozaki in uh, in Ring of Honor. I remember. Uh, and maybe maybe yeah. I'm so disappointed too because I always told people I'm like, oh, go here. Oh, he's on the show. Go watch him. And he was always like not very good in Ring of Honor. And they mostly had him in uh, pretty bad roles too. He was like you know teaming with you know Sweet and Sour Ink and stuff like that. So um, maybe I'm maybe I'm harboring ill will towards that because. Yeah, I mean he's he was always a little too bland. I mean he never. You know, and he came up the same time Hiroki Goto came up. Yeah, yeah. Well, once he once he lost the dollar store Kensuke Sasaki thing, I think that helped a lot. Because it was just like, yeah. hey, here's this guy that's like Kensuke Sasaki, but he's not as good as Kensuke Sasaki on any level whatsoever. And it's like, oh, all right. 
That's cool. I just think when you look at him and you look at Goto, it's two guys that people thought, but neither one of them had the necessary charisma, and you can't teach it. You know, and and that's why I don't think either one of them ever reached the heights that were expected of them. And you could throw Suwama in there too because he came up at the same time and all. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. And and you know, and and the guy in Dragon Gate was Shingo. The four of them broke in at the exact same time in the four major companies. And I, in my mind, have kind of compared the four of them as their careers have gone on, and they're all in their late thirties. Uh, Suwama might be a little older than the others. Uh, Goto, I think, is like 42. And they're all kind of... It's, it's interesting to see where they are. Shiozaki, as we said, might be on the best run of his career or in the beginning of the best run of his career. I think this is the best year of his career. Shingo still feels like a kid. Like, he just isn't slowing down at all. And we'll see what happens in New Japan. But he clearly did the most in his company. Other, you know compared to the other three when he was in Dragon Gate, he's a legitimate top guy and everything. Suwama, I mean, his company just fell off the table, but he didn't really have the necessary charisma either. It looked like early in his career, he had that crowd connection. I don't know what happened. And now he's just completely washed up. I've been watching Suwama 2020 is an ugly scene. I mean, he's just, he's washed up. So I think those four, it's interesting to look at their career paths since they all broke into the four companies at the same time and were all expected to be megastars. Yes, yeah, right, right. And I don't know if any of them got there. I think Shingo got the closest. But maybe like, wh- maybe we shouldn't be closing the book on any of them yet. Maybe this I, thing... close, I think you can close the book on Suwama. Suwama, you could close yeah, the I think book. We'll, I... Let's close that book. I think we're done with that one. And Goto, I think you could close the book. He, he's done, he has hit They'll his never push him. They'll never, ever, ever push him in that company ever again. It's all downhill from here with Goto. He has peaked. And I really think we're at the beginning of the decline phase for him, where they slowly work him down the card. So those two guys, I think you can close the book. And Shingo's always going to have a glass ceiling. I mean, in New Japan, he just is. But I think his Dragon Gate top guy stuff has been undervalued and underrated by people who just weren't paying attention to Dragon Gate. And by people who were paying attention to Dragon Gate who just don't like him. He had that working against them. Let's call it like it is. Jay never liked him. And that's your number one influencer when it comes to Dragon Gate for all those years. So, you know, and now maybe this is Go's time to step ahead of all three of those guys. Who knows? All right, so we are out of time, but again, patreon.com slash voices wrestling for uh, additional audio uh, with Joe and I. Joe Vember to remember, uh, just released uh, the best of the Super Juniors retro series going on right now as well. Uh, coverage of all major events going on at voicesofwrestling.com as well. Uh, as I said, voiceswrestling.com slash Amazon. If you're going to make any purchases on Amazon this year, we would appreciate if you use uh, that link. And we also threw in a plug for uh, the Wrestling Omakase Patreon, patreon.com. Uh, slash wrestling omakase for uh, coverage of uh, the world tagging the best of the super juniors filling in where where we have not been able to or we've been kind of behind uh, on stuff but uh, that is it for us so anyway have a great thanksgiving uh, particularly if you're listening to this on thanksgiving but uh, if not and uh yeah have a happy safe uh, holiday i'm for joel lanza i'm rich Krejci. we'll talk to you guys next time on the voice wrestling flagship podcast take care 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.